son of a bitch, asshole, <laughs> bullshit artist, curses on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Aloha! It's time once again for another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I'm your King Pharaoh, Insane Mike, and according to the hieroglyphics on the wall, this episode is about curses. You know, words like damn it, fuck, piss, I shit. I don't think that's... No? I mean, you're not... That Those are curses, yes, but not, oh. not what we're talking about. Oh, I get it. You don't mean that type of curse. Okay. I, it's more of like supernatural expressed wishes upon another person intent for misfortune? Yeah, those kind. Oh, okay, I get it now. Doesn't mean there won't be some of those other curses. but <laughs> There'll definitely be some of those other curses on this episode. Um, and usually a lot of times curses uh, are caused by like magic, witchcraft, or even one's own religious beliefs. But more on that later. First, I want to talk to you about Patreon. That's right. I bet you didn't know we had a Patreon, did you? It's not like I talk about it every single episode. <laughs> well, now we've worked out a deal with a group of gypsies, a coven of witches, an Aztec mummy, and a guy named Murray who lives down the street from me to put a curse on anyone who does not donate to our Patreon. Oh, no. Now you must donate or else. <laughs> That's right, if you do not donate to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash AOTKP, you shall be cursed with not getting bonus episodes! Oh no! Specially made videos just for Patreon donators! A collection of Attack of the Killer podcast music! You'll get none of that and so much more! I know, it's diabolical. So to save your eternal soul, go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP, AOTKP, and check out the perks and donate today, or else! Now I would also like to say Attack of the Killer Podcast is part of the Phantom Podcast Network. The network is full, 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 full of amazing horror-themed podcasts like us. So check it out. Check out all the shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom. Now, if you've never listened to our show before, you're in luck. I'm going to give you a tour. Over here is the kitchen. (laughs) And then there's the dining room. Next to that is the sex dungeon. Make sure you wear gloves before you go in there. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror-themed podcast, a horror movie podcast, (laughs) where we pick a topic and discuss films within that topic. Now, we're just a group of friends who love getting together and talking about horror movies. It's a completely open and free discussion, so there may be spoilers. There, I warned you. Now get over it! The last thing I want to talk about before we get into the show is we have a contest. That's right, a contest! You heard me! A contest! Did What's I that? stutter? I said we have a contest! Contacts? What's 
What? Contest! No, it's, it's in context. He's saying. Contest! Oh. Contest! To enter, all you have to do is go to our iTunes page and leave us a written review of the show. At the and end what do they get? Easy. I'm getting there. At the end of March, we will draw one lucky son of a bitch to receive an official Attack of the Killer podcast t-shirt! What? That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only the five of us have them. You could be that cool. That's right. It's a million. We sell them, but no one's ever bought one, so <laughs> that's not true. So now they're given away for prizes. <laughs> so you can be one of the lucky few and have your own Attack of the Killer podcast T-shirt. Be sure to go to iTunes and write us a sweet ass review of the show. Um, and time is running out because at the end of March, um, it's up. It's over. So do it now. Yeah, if you we'll want to be that lucky son of a bitch. That's right. <laughs> and the nicer your review is, the better chance you have of getting picked. That's true. It's a good that point. True. That's the fine print <clears throat> in the contest rules. Okay, so now all that's out of the way, it's time for the podcast cruise curse. My intros. <laughs> Several years ago, there was a curse put upon him. See if I can remember the exact words of the curse. It was something like, I now pronounce you man and wife. Tad good, everyone! <laughs> Fuck off, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for that totally being a curse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Skype high five on that one. Um, <laughs> it's not about your awesome wife. No, your wife is awesome. It's the Institute of Marriage. There's a reason why it's called an institution. Um... <laughs> He stuck his hands up a gypsy's dress every 28 days because he wanted his palms red. Jason Bollinger! Oh my gosh. That is gross and awesome. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? <clears throat> she met her prince, but he was turned into a frog. When they met, she wanted to know everything about him, inside and out. Unfortunately, they met in her biology class. Terry Turford! <laughs> gross. Hey, everybody. And lastly... He was playing poker the other night with tarot cards. He got a full house and three people died. Brian Clark, everyone. <laughs> Greetings. Oh, how's everyone doing? Good. Cool. We got some stuff to do. We got some stuff to talk about, don't we? Yeah, so much stuff to talk about. All right. Well, let's start, <laughs> let's start off like we always do with some killer news. All right. <laughs> so um, I've been reading some new killer news, and uh, something that I'm very interested in is that director and writer Dan Gilroy, who did um, Nightcrawler. I don't know if you guys saw Nightcrawler. Yes, that's, with Jake that's been awesome. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. Well, he's doing a new horror film for Netflix, and it will star Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh. And also has John Malkovich. What? Yeah, so they've got, they've already got, has Natalie Dyer from um, Stranger Things. They've got a really good cast going already. Uh, supposed to follow, from what I'm reading here, the plot follows big money artists and mega collectors who pay a high price when art collides with commerce. That's all they're sort of saying now, but 
just having all those names together, I'm totally in. And Netflix has been doing pretty damn good job of their um, original films and and series, so I'm totally on board. Sweet. Yeah, so what you're saying think. is he's doing a remake of Bucket of Blood, and I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah, that'd be whatever, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, I don't think it has a title yet, but um, it just yeah, just reading that has me so psyched. So that's something to look forward to. Nightcrawler is the best George Romero movie that George Romero never made. Ooh. Damn it, uh, now you got me interested. Oh, you haven't, you haven't seen it? I've never Shit, seen it. I never really cared. It's great. It's okay. Oh, it's awesome, yeah. I mean, honestly, it wasn't my favorite X-Men, so... It's kind of... Oh, God. <laughs> Bam! I'm moving on. I'm moving on <laughs> to a do. new story. Um, also, this week, or um, this weekend, was South by Southwest, so there was some new horror stuff coming out. Um, I heard that A Quiet Place played Yay. very well. That's Sounds like it's going to be kick-ass. So I'm, I'm trying to keep my expectations in check and not get too psyched, but I haven't heard a bad thing about it. And that's the movie made is... by our friends, Mike. Scott Beck and Brian Woods from Davenport. Bettendorf. Really? Yep, Quad Cities. What's, what's their involvement? They're the directors and writers. They wrote oh, and directed wow. it. Yep. Which it might be uh, you might be thinking of something else because Quiet Place is uh, nope. directed by John Krasinski, right? No, he stars in it. I thought he directed it oh, too. Oh, did he direct it too? Well, then they wrote it. Then I guess I okay. thought they directed cool. it too, but maybe I'm wrong. And if there's only some website that we could go to, no. Nah. <clears throat> but it's I know it's their movie, so maybe. Yeah, Brian Woods. Uh, Scott Beck. Beck wrote it, and then oh, cool. uh, Krasinski did the screenplay and directed. Cool, that's so awesome. Brian, yeah, so that's and you know that's he stars in it, and uh, his wife Emily Blunt stars in it also, and I'm hearing some great things. So that and um, Blumhouse <clears throat> premiered a sort of mystery movie, and I you know piqued everyone's interest. Everybody went and. I, I guess people cared about this, but to me, I was sort of <laughs> let down when I heard it was the Unfriended sequel. <laughs> what? Uh, like, I, I do you guys? I mean, did anybody watch that and enjoy it? I thought it was. I, I thought it was okay, it. but I don't think it warranted a sequel. It was okay for what it was, but yeah. Well, they. I mean, to play it at South by Southwest as like they were hyping it up with a mystery screening, and they didn't tell anyone it was even being made, which. <laughs> You know, cool, but it's like, yeah, did, would anyone have cared if it was being made? So I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That, that movie got a lot of buzz, and it did really well, but that was because it was like a new niche. So like right. a sequel to it's not going to... I'd imagine it's not going to do much, because <clears throat> the only reason why that first one did anything is because it was it was a found footage type of movie that was never that have never been done before. Everything told through um, like Skype and whatnot, so... Right, so and I, I don't know. To, trying to capture some of that uh, Cloverfield paradox lightning, and not really understanding why it worked the way it did. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I don't know what the it's like. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it was I think a Saturday night. Every you know every um, film film blogger and writer I follow is at South by Southwest, and they were all oh un- untitled Blumhouse movie. And, uh, of course, the first thing everybody jumped to was, like, we're going to see a rough cut of Halloween, which, oh, you know, finished filming, like, two weeks ago. It's right. not going to... No. Yeah. 
But Jason Blum quickly shut that down and said, you know, no, guys, we're not going to have our rough cut for at least six weeks. So then everybody got excited again, like six weeks. That's pretty soon. But um, <laughs> and that's a perfect transition into my weekly um, Halloween update. Yeah, just, be, just, just because you guys uh, tease me about it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to share like every tidbit I hear. But Dana McBride was interviewed at South by Southwest about the movie and He's sticking to his guns that this movie will strictly follow the first movie. He's very, um, he's very much aware of how this the, the Halloween series is sort of pick your own adventure style right now, <laughs> and uh, he he actually said that. I think that's how he worded it too. Was like you know it's it's uh, you know it sort of branches out into these crazy timelines. And he said he wanted that's why they went back and he's like we're making Halloween two. This is a sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween. But he also says it will pay tribute to all the sequels with little hints and nods to for fans. So from what he's saying is that there's just going to be little references to every sequel, whether, I mean, Halloween 3, 4, all of them. So that's sort of interesting. I don't know if, uh, I hope they're not forced in there, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, as a hardcore Halloween series fan, you know, I, I'll be watching very closely to see if i can catch anything but mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know if that's necessarily news but you know any t- any any um time danny mcbride sneezes i'm listening now so <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what i have for killer news this week does anybody else have anything else they can share i've got nothing well the Are oscars our- happened i mean we can oh yeah oh yeah yeah who some who won some Oscars? <laughs> some horror films were actually present for once, uh, and they won. And yeah. they won. <laughs> Shape of Water, which I don't some some people might say that's a stretch to call it a horror film, but it's a monster movie. So well, it, it's it's been recognized by the Academy, so it's definitely no longer a horror film. Right, <laughs> right. But it won uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Original oh, Score, yeah. something. There, yep. It had several. Um, and Get Out won Best Original Screenplay, which is amazing. <clears throat> it's awesome. And well-earned. Yes. I guess Shape of Water couldn't win that one, considering the trouble they're in over oh. the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's great that, you know, they they both won something. So, like, yeah. I, I was rooting for both, and any time either of them could take anything, I was happy in to see... Del Toro get up there for director and best picture is fantastic. Yeah, I mean yeah. he he's deserved that every year he's made a movie. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just that. beyond baffled at the world we live in, where a movie about a woman fucking the creature from the Black Lagoon <laughs> has won best picture at the Academy Awards. What like, what sort of bums <clears throat> me out is like I've seen so many so many bittersweet like angry horror fans that just god it's like sometimes the horror fans can be the worst i'm sorry guys but they're like you know oh cool you know he should have won it for pan's labyrinth it's like okay cool but fucking be happy he won he won for shape of water so you know he didn't win it for pan's labyrinth and you know what like that's in the past move on he won it he won it now and now's now so if you think horror fans are bad do not ever go on a heavy metal news website and read the comments (laughs) (laughs) you you will never stop crying it's it's a miracle that i still like the music (laughs) 
I just know well, I had a really think... good time watching this year. It was really great. Yeah. I mean, it helped that I'd seen most of the films, but I don't know. It was really... It was good. I got quiet there. I'm sorry. What I do? What, well, what were you? What were you gonna say, Terry? <laughs> oh, I was. I, I mean, usually with the Academy uh, winners and nominations, you kind of have to take some of them with a grain of salt because, I mean, I don't even know who's on the committee for voting, but it seems fairly one-sided most of the time, I guess. So. Yeah, because eh. there was re- reports right before that. You know, the the older Academy members were refusing to even watch Get Out I because it that. was a genre yeah. film. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it's not going to win a fucking thing and it will be like, you know, yeah. one of those things that horror fans are pissed for years because you know, it should have won Best Picture but it didn't even get watched. But it apparently did get watched <laughs> if it won Best Original Screenplay. So, Which, yeah. you, you know that was the reason they said it, and the real reason was, oh, black people! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh, with the Oscars, it's always sort of a thing because I know some people that are hardcore into like, oh, awards mean nothing. And at the end of the day, it's like I agree on some end that um, how how often do you, are you we or has anyone gone back and watched The Revenant again? You know, or yeah. or uh, some of these movies that win that win. But you know, we'll watch I'll watch The Fucking Room like every six months. You know, and, <laughs> and like it just sort of goes to say, you know how you know it's it's adored by the academy doesn't make it you know the end all of films but as someone who just loves film i try to watch as many of the oscar films this year as i could and and i enjoy for the most part but you know there's i can appreciate good film and then there's films that i love that i know will never ever get close to nominated but i'll watch them every year you know i'll watch them several times so but for our kind of people like my thought after hooray finally del toro got recognized for being the awesome dude he is how much closer do you think this is going to get him to at the mountains of madness right yeah that's the thing too is that when i hear pessimistic people are like who cares you know del toro's he, he doesn't need an oscar to um you know prove anything he doesn't have anything to prove i'm like well he, he no but it'll make the, it'll make yeah. the financiers stand up and take notice exactly yeah. the studio will take <clears throat> note and yeah yeah, that's we're, we're gonna that's, see monsters fucking in all the movies this next year, man. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I want to know how many executives over at Universal got fired for taking the Dark Universe away from him. Like they were sweating bullets watching the Academy Awards, and immediately afterwards they get a phone call. Yep, you're fired. Did it get taken away? I thought he turned <clears throat> it down. Oh, I thought it got taken away from him. I don't know how it went, but he didn't do it, and. <laughs> I don't know. And the world is a poorer place because of it. I don't know, though, because I feel like I would rather have Del Toro working on original stuff than, you know, at least, I don't know, I, I love Universal Monsters, but and, and Del Toro would knock it out of the park, but I, would, I don't know if I'd rather have him just do his own passion projects, you know? Well, True. agreed, but <clears throat> obviously Universal with the Dark Universe was trying to do original versions of the Universal Monsters because the shit they were putting out was nothing like the original Universal Monsters. So I would think Del Toro would have an amazing spin on all of that. So I, I was under the impression anyway that wasn't he more going to have like a showrunner role? I mean, kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they have different directors on most every movie. They just have Kevin Feige yeah. over 
overseeing everything and keeping the tone in check, and I kind of assumed that would be more the role he would play as like a you know executive producer. Yeah, here's what well, you should do. Here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what you're doing right. Yeah, keep it on this track. But they need somebody like Del Toro to do that. Yeah, <clears throat> obviously. Did you guys happen to watch um, SNL this weekend? That's probably a dumb question because no one really watches it. Uh, but they did a Family Feud Oscars edition, and they had Del Toro playing Family Feud, and it was hilarious. <laughs> Shit. So you'll have to seek that out. But uh, it was it was done um, very lovingly. It wasn't just like ripping on him. It was sort of having fun with his uh, him being just sort of jolly and happy all the time. <laughs> And loving monsters, so it was it was a awesome. good tribute, yeah. Cool. Did you guys see that video from his press junket in Japan talking about Pacific Rim Two, when they have uh, Pigmon and Baltan Sejin from Ultraman come out and give him a hug? <laughs> no, awesome. Oh, it's wonderful. It's it's up on my Facebook page. You guys have to check it out. But or go on YouTube and search Del Toro Pigmon. Um, he's he's talking to some interviewer and he's say, saying how he's loved monsters since he was a kid and that this this little creature called Pigmon from a Japanese superhero TV show called Ultraman for those listeners who don't know what the fuck that means it's this little red monster that kind of looks like it's made out of leaves and its hands are kind of skeletal and it's got this goofy kind of droopy face and he's always loved Pigmon because he's kind of the dopey monster and he always felt like a dopey awkward kid so he loved him and uh, as he's talking to the interviewer, somebody dressed in the Pigmon monster costume from the mo- or from the TV show comes up behind him and like puts a hand on his shoulder, and he turns around, and his face just lights up, and he Aww. jumps up and gives him a hug. It's awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's why we all love him, right? Because he's he's one of us that made it. One know? of us. One of us. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> well, not he makes good fucking movies. Yeah, he does. Okay, well, that's it for killer news, right? Yep. All right, what's next? Moving next, we're, 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 yeah, we're going to try out a new segment called um, what? what We Watched. Yeah, it's called What We Watched, and we're just going to sort of do a roundtable. Everyone sort of gets to um, talk about something that's not related to the episode that they might have watched this week. So I'm going to start, and um, I'm going to start with Jason. Jason, what did you watch oh. this week? Oh, okay. I watched uh, Veronica. Anybody else get to see that yet? No, but I'm hearing good things. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I saw it on Netflix. Um, it's just came out in 2017. It's directed by Paco Plaza, who's a director and co-creator of Rec, the Rec series, Rec 2, 3. Um, it was cool. It, it's So it takes takes place in Madrid in the early 90s. It kind of follows this uh, teenage girl, Veronica, that her her father recently died, and she kind of takes care of her three younger siblings. Mom's just always working, so she's not really in the picture, and so she's kind of the mom. She's got three little brothers and sisters, and so just one day she's she gets together with her friends during this eclipse. There's this an eclipse that goes on, and and they go to do the seance in the in the basement of the school during during this and they get out the Ouija board and shit starts going crazy and 
and they get interrupted and they, everything goes goes on the day goes on and it, and it's cool because it's not it's not like super tons of jump scares like your typical Ouija movie would be um, it's definitely got a nicer pace and it's, it's more about the the creepiness of it it's more about vibe but the fucking evil thing that's that kind of gets unleashed during this is creepy as fuck <laughs> man there's some moments i mean there, I, I i did yell at the tv once the first time i saw it i was just oh my gosh i, I don't want to give it away but when you see its reflection, that's all I'll say. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Once I realized it was there, I shit my pants and yelled at the TV. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so see, it's, yeah. With this one, it's like it's it's been getting a lot of um of those clickbait articles where it's like get on Netflix and see this scariest, most terrifying. Movie. Yeah, yeah. And what sucks is like I have a bunch of fucking idiots on Facebook that uh-huh. see that and they're like. They log mm-hmm. into there and they're like, the the first thing that really pissed me off is that, sorry to rant, but this, uh, these idiots are like, it ain't that scary. It's got subtitles. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> that that's that what do the no two sense. have to do with each other? And then, or they're like, I I, I could only get ten minutes in because it's got subtitles. And then the uh, the people who do watch it, they're like, well, I wasn't scared. I'm like, well, what's I asked, what's the last movie that scared actually scared you? Because I feel like, yeah, we need a reference you know, point. Right, because it, it just it blows my mind that people are just like, well, I wanted I wanted to piss my pants, but I didn't, so I turned it off, you know. Oh, and, uh, anyways, drink more liquids. I, I'm, yeah, and it's and it's all because the clickbait articles are. are uh, yeah, it's I feel like a lot of buzz for being the scariest movie on Netflix, and it's only gonna never live up to that every time. Right. And but I'm sucks. I'm excited to check it out. I'm hoping to see it sometime this week yeah it's really cool it's got a great vibe to it and it's, you know it's just a little different and it's ah these kids do a great fucking job they're awesome and this creature thing whatever whatever bad thing that comes out of there just i found it very fucking scary vibe level scary it's just like not not as much jump scares but yeah it was really good it was really good i liked it a lot Excellent. Yeah. I, I like when a movie, like, I mean, it, it, it's a more or less a possession movie, which generally that genre doesn't do a whole lot for me. <clears throat> but I like when something tries to be a little original, like with the mythology and and the reason for it and stuff. And this isn't yeah. your standard Catholic. Like it, it has some really cool, like ancient history origin yep. stuff going yep. on that I really, really liked. That's yeah. good because to me, there's almost nothing more terrifying than the modern Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Scary in a very different way. <laughs> yeah, that's what I watched. There, there are some kids in the movie. The ghost does not molest them. Right. <laughs> Spoilers, but <laughs> yeah, the last uh, religious movie that really scared me was Spotlight. So. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry, Mike, I was what? muted. I was laughing for you. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, Mike, what did you see? Well, just that dead silence. Now, you ha- now you know how I feel when I do my intros. Um, 
Well, I didn't get a chance to watch too much this past week. Um, but uh, once in a while, I'll just I'll just go deep down the Amazon rabbit hole and and try to find something something weird to watch. And I found another documentary about VHS tapes called VHS Forever Psychotronic People from 2014. Whoa. It's a cool doc. It's a, it's a talking head doc, so it's just most, you know, just a lot of like interviews and stuff, but it's just cool. It um it reminded me a lot of adjust your tracking, kind of a kind of a combination of adjust your tracking with um with uh those uh video nasty uh documentaries mm. that we watched a few months back. Um, <clears throat> with that said, it kind of has, it kind of, it kind of doesn't know what the documentary wants to be about. Cause there's times where it's talking about <clears throat> the whole video nasty thing. And there's other times where it's just talking about VHS collecting, but it's, it's all, um, it, it all takes place over in the UK. So everybody, you know, a lot of the people that are, that are interviewing, they're interviewing lived through that video nasty era of, and all of these like all these VHS collectors now and from then and and it's interesting compared to adjust your tracking um, the motivations behind what tapes people collect where uh, a lot of these UK collectors are looking for those partic- those um, particular films from those particular labels uh, that released those titles that ended up on the video nasty list so. I thought that was pretty cool, and it's just fun sitting there, you know, watching a documentary like this as a as a uh, horror movie geek myself, <clears throat> and listening to him name drop like Andy Mulligan movies, or you know, talking about Herschel Gordon Lewis, or um, you know, Evil Dead, or whatever. And they they have like uh, um, they had like the guy who did the uh, the UK art for the Evil Dead. Um, box, which is one of my favorite like foreign box covers of all time. That Evil Dead one is really cool. And uh, they also interviewed another guy who does a lot of posters. He did um, uh, Hobo with, with a Shotgun, showed a lot of his art too. Uh, uh, what's that? Um, Frankenstein. What's that? Frankenstein bike. What's that one? Bikers. Frankenstein, Frankenstein created, created bikers. bikers. Yeah, Frankenstein created bikers. He did the poster for that. Um, so yeah, it was. It's a. It's a pretty fun doc. Again, you know, it's it doesn't give you too much more than just listening to these all these different people talk about their collections or living through the era of the video nasties, which I found really in, intriguing. They talked. There was a lot of talk about this store over in the UK during this era, um, where all the all the uh, movie collectors would go and hang out. It was and it was called the Psychotronic Store psychotronic video store and it was like down in this basement of this building and stuff and like it, it was almost like a, a club where you know you had to know people to get in kind of thing and and uh you know if you were a stranger off the street you weren't treated very well by the clerks and stuff until until you've gone several times and proved yourself worthy <laughs> um and that kind of thing but yeah it was just a really cool doc and it's free on amazon to check it out so uh, that's what I watched. Excellent. And um, Terry, what did you watch? I watched the new Strangers film, Strangers Pray at Night. Oh, yeah. It was pretty good. Um, 
you know, you got masked um, crazy people like you do in the first Strangers film. Um, but the premise is a little different in that it's not just a home invasion in this one. You follow a family who... There's something with there's a troubled daughter, so they have to take her to boarding school. So they're traveling to live closer to the boarding school for a while. And they're staying at their uncle's um, vacation uh, trailer park (laughs) by a lake. So they show up there and the first night shit kind of hits the fan and... I don't and, know what else and to stran- say. <laughs> and strangers show up? Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's the off strangers season, so the park is abandoned. <laughs> right. Yeah, mostly abandoned. And um, I was curious how they were going to pull that. Like, you know, it, I feel like if if uh, strangers actually show up in a real trailer park, they're going to get fucked up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the off season. It's like a, a holiday vacation spot and there's only like one or two trailers that have anyone in them and yeah um it has christina Hendricks. she's like yeah. the big star draw i guess um it's, a, it's so weird because i don't feel like they've put her name like anywhere in no, the advertising huh. yeah um and then the only other uh, and there's the guy from like the ring the american ring but I don't even know his name, so that's awesome. Um, and <laughs> um, Bailey uh, Madison, yes, the the she was the little girl in Guillermo del Toro's "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark." Okay, but she's I knew like, I recognized her. She's probably something. growing up now, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's still like she's like the troubled teenager, so she's all angsty and shit. But it was it was good. It, I don't think I didn't enjoy it as much as as the first one, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit for sure. And I understand it's not a sequel, right? It's just kind of based on it on the first one, or inspired by the first one. I mean, yeah, it's not a sequel at all. It's definitely more like they took something that's happened before, like they, like it says at the beginning, like it's based on true events. Um, but it's you know. I don't know how accurately based or what it was actually based on, but they basically just took the characters, the stranger characters with the masks, and implanted them into a new scenario is the only connection. So I, I took that to be enough to make it a sequel, because it's, yeah. yeah. it's clearly the same. I mean, they even have the same damn pickup truck, which is fucking invincible, oh. and that was the only part of the movie that kind of annoyed me. See, I didn't remember that, because it'd been so long since I'd seen the first one, I didn't know about, think about the truck. So, it, so it's supposed to be the same people? I would like, assume it's the same killers. Yeah, I mean, oh. yeah, obviously, the, the um, Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman both die at the end of the first movie, so it's... What? You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's we 10 said years no old. It. Yeah, it's been a, the it's new been a long time, so I didn't remember. I knew that the there's one guy that has like the burlap mask on. I knew that looked very similar to the previous movie, and so I guess that makes sense. So, kind of the same way that the Friday the Thirteenth movies, the only through line characters other than I guess Tommy Jarvis is Jason. Sure. Like, it's yeah. a different set of dumbass counselors getting stabbed yeah. <laughs> every time. But did I see in the trailer that one of the strangers talk? 
Yes. Yes. Now, there are a few changes from the original that I think take away from it. Yeah. But I don't want to ruin all of it. Like, I just, <laughs> but yeah, if the trailer, if the trailer reveals that one of them talks, I didn't even watch the trailer, so... I just, yeah, that does happen. One of the original... One of the things I love about the original is just, like, the total mystery behind these quote-unquote strangers, and I don't know. Them talking doesn't... kind of makes it a little less scary for me. Yeah, I mean, Freddy and Pinhead are, like, the only... Like killers that are supposed to talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's giving you shit. Only one know. of them. Yeah, but how scary is how scary is Freddy Krueger really? I mean, yeah, let's compare it to on. the strangers for crying out loud. Yeah, I feel like only one of them speaks. Um, it's not much. Like, kind of almost starts right off the bat with one of them speaking. Um, okay. But. I, I don't want to reveal too much, but I did think it was cool how kind of initially they only they're only kind of showing they're featuring one stranger. You haven't seen any of the other two, um, but they kind of they do a really cool job of like shadowing her face. Like she doesn't have a mask on initially, mm. but they shadow her face so you don't still don't see her. I mean, yeah. And they, yeah, I don't, I'm going to stop because I'm just going to start telling you too <laughs> and it's, much about it. it's directed by Johannes Roberts, who did 47 Meters Down. Oh, that's right. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, yeah uh, our theater's not playing it currently, and if they don't get it Friday, I'm going to have to uh, travel a little bit. But I have to see it because, like, going back to what I was talking about earlier is, like, you know, when's the last time you were scared by a movie? Um, one night... I mean, this, I can't believe that the original is already 10 years old, but mm. I remember um, we were like, it was like 2 a.m. and me and the wife were like, could not sleep. So we're like, let's just watch a movie. And I put the strangers on. And mm-hmm. It got to the point, it got to the point where like they knock at the door. And it's really loud. It's like boom, boom, boom. And we both sort of like looked at each other. And I'm like, let's change the movie. <laughs> like, like, like we had just moved into our house. So it was like, we were in oh. un, like a new, new house. Like it was pretty empty. And, like don't know the neighborhood and it's just like yeah this is making me a little not, like i don't know something you know it, it was mostly just her i mean she was scared it wasn't it had nothing to do with me <laughs> no right. no no because right. i don't get i don't get scared but um <laughs> but yeah it's like i i've been looking forward and, and this sequel's been so often you know going and then not going that i, I yeah. assumed it would never ever happen and then suddenly it was like here's a trailer and and then, like, a month later, it was like, here's the movie. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like they should have pushed it a little further. It's it's actually not doing too bad at the box office, from what I can tell. At least, it, I mean, it's not doing nearly as bad as, like, Gringo <laughs> or Annihilation, so. Well, it couldn't have cost that much to make. Right. So it would be pretty yeah. hard to flop it. Yeah, I feel like it's 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 a fun movie. It's I definitely don't think it's as strong just because the change of environment and they changed, uh, yeah, there were just a few changes that made the people seem, the strangers seem less uh, scary. Because the first one totally freaked my shit, too. Yeah. Not yeah. that this one isn't um, also feasible. Like, that's one of the things about the first one, you know. It's like, that is something that could totally happen, like, in real life. Like, it right. doesn't seem so far-fetched. And this one's the same way, but they were just it's just not as strong they they don't you don't feel like they're as um 
um, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, vulnerable as the as right. the okay. There's so much more room to move about. They're not. It's not as much of an isolation film as I as the first one. Well, that's I mean, they're like, still in a small park, like a trailer park, but there's so much. There's such a bigger area. There's way know? more room for activities. Yes, no. exactly. <laughs> I think though the the park is empty and it's in the middle of nowhere out in the woods. So I yeah. mean, they're still they have a long way to go before they could really get to well, anywhere. Sure, that would... but the, I don't know. The thing what? that got me was more there's a few elements that are a little more like a standard slasher that kind of bugged me. Yeah, like, for sure. like a, a, that took a away couple, from the characters. I think a, a couple of moments of invincibility that definitely made things a little less plausible and scary yeah. mm-hmm. i will say the score is awesome well see that's that's oh, yeah. what i was gonna bring up because i actually heard that the only bad thing i've heard was that the the score was trying too hard to be john carpenter and they actually oh it absolutely it. is and they, they said that use... they, they might have just ripped the main theme at, from the fog like directly yeah they, oh. like, they even <laughs> used the john carpenter font for the credits yeah they yeah. did yeah and yeah the ins- I mean, it was fun, like the instrumental stuff, but I could see where they would say it might have been inspired by other ones. Um, lots, of, lots of the found music was fun, though. Um, lots of 80s kind of light poppy stuff, which I like when the music is very the antithesis of what the actual mood of the scene is. I think always think that's a lot of fun, but I don't know. It was fun. Should watch it. I definitely, I definitely want to. I just hope uh, it comes here, and I don't have to drive too far for it. And I hope it does well enough that it uh, doesn't just, you know, fade away. But it's like I said, it seems to be doing okay, and I don't think it was too big of a budget. Uh, I did hear that the directors now, which is funny, you know, saying that the score was, and and from what I hear, the movie was sort of inspired. You know, it was Carpenter esque because they want. They're saying they want to redo Christine next. Huh. Mm. Mm. Yep. Which I'm like, you know, don't need it redone, but whatever. Yeah. So are they gonna use a car from just 30 years ago? I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't feel like that's gonna have so. the same impact. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you know. I don't think a studio is gonna jump at the uh, another killer car movie. But what do I know? Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping to see that one, and uh, I think you and Brian were the only two on the in the group that have seen it so far. Yeah. Which, you know, you you guys said uh, Mike and Jason, you said it's playing at your theater, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Then what the hell have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, which, got my, which, I got my son, son this week, so yeah. Yeah, that's a good excuse. How about you, Jason? I don't have one. Okay. I'm, go- I'm going tomorrow. Oh, Are you really? Man. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Damn it. I, you get a pass then. What? Well, Brian, what did you watch? Uh, well, you already mentioned it uh, briefly, and the fact that it is not doing well in the theater, probably because of the stupid way it was released, but Annihilation. Oh, man, uh, I want to see Because it. It, it came out in the theater here, but it came out everywhere else in the world on Netflix. Simultaneously, simultaneously with the theatrical release here, I believe, and I assume that means it's going to be on Netflix like the second it's out of the theater. So nobody's going to see it in the theater because they're just waiting to see it at home. 
but that's a mistake unless you have the best sound system in the universe because there's some stuff in the sound design of this movie that you should really see and a big punch your eardrums out sound system at the theater uh, I agree have you seen it too? yes Okay. It's. I would <laughs> say it is the best adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's The Color Out of Space that we're ever going to see um, it stars Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Leigh and Tessa Thompson, who is Valkyrie and Thor Ragnarok, and they are part of a team of five scientists who are um, this this meteorite has crashed on on the some coast somewhere, and it has released this weird field that kind of looks like a, like a soap bubble with this iridescent haze around it that they've called the Shimmer, and they've been sending teams into it and no one has come back, and they're trying to keep it covered up, but it's expanding, and they need to figure out what's going on in there because, uh, obviously, the cover-up can't last forever. It's getting bigger, and soon it's going to envelop um, populated areas. So they send this team of scientists in, and they discover that whatever this shimmer is has been changing all of the organic life within it. Plants and animals are, are completely different. They're, it's almost like it has broken down the barriers of DNA and, and made genetic engineering almost like a cold, like an airborne virus. So everything is just swapping genetic patterns all the time. And there's plants that are like animals and animals that are like plants. And it's um, So they, they get farther and farther in. They're trying to get to the epicenter of this, to where the meteorite crashed, because they assume that's where they're going to find their answers. And uh, they find some stuff, whether it's an answer or not, either for them or the audience is up in the air. It's it's a little it's a little thinky. Uh, I took the kids to see it with me, and they both really liked it. And it was, it was kind of a neat moment that, beyond just saying, "Well, what was your favorite part? Well, what was your favorite part? Oh yeah, that was part was cool." We spent a good hour or more, like from the time we walked out of the theater through when we were eating supper at home, uh, just discussing what it was about and what we thought you know our interpretation of certain events in it and you know even then the next day isabella goes i'm still thinking about that movie like what did it mean there was so much stuff in it and i thought that's kind of neat when a movie engages the audience like that and it's very much in more in the vein of like a 70s science fiction movie where um you know there's slow parts there's a lot of talky parts it's very thoughtful it's very intellectual um, you know, it's not a big explodey action movie at all. And although it isn't really a horror movie either, it is definitely more in the science fiction vein, there is some body horror stuff in it that puts anything but maybe David Cronenberg in the doghouse. Like, there is some icky, weird shit in this movie, and <laughs> it's excellent. So if it's so, still in your theater when you hear this, go out and see it go support this movie because we need more science fiction movies like this yeah like first off i want to say to my friend blake who downloads ash vs evil dead he also downloaded this so God fuck damn you, blake. uh i told <laughs> yeah, him that you know i i'm not gonna yeah i told him i'm not gonna hang out with him until he goes and sees it in theaters and second off did you record the the uh, conversation with your kids and when will that podcast be released yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, I did not i'm sorry I'm I feel sad, like that would be an hear. awesome podcast, just you <laughs> discussing be. movies with your kids after yep. you watch something. Especially your kids your are probably kids more articulate awesome. than I am, so... Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Isabella might be more articulate than I am now, too, yeah. She's, uh, 
becoming quite the little cinephile. Oh, I'm glad that you awesome. you uh, brought up Annihilation because I feel like you would have uh, explained it a lot better than I did. I would have just been like, it's really cool. It has some like chicks that go into a, a, a big shimmery thing. And yeah, you, you're um, <laughs> much better at explaining what them. I feel like I, I'm like, now I'm rethinking about the movie after you explained it. But um, yeah, did um, I saw it in theaters too. I absolutely loved it. These uh, turds in front of me wouldn't take their f- put their phones away, so I had to go get an usher. So I missed a few minutes, but um, oh, cut out the middleman! Don't worry about the usher; just yell at him. That's what I do. Well, that's what my wife ended up doing because the usher, as soon yeah. as the usher left, they brought their phones back out, oh, and Jesus. they were. Uh, I don't think Jesus. they. I don't know if they just did not realize we were right behind them or what the deal was, but once my uh, wife spoke up, I think they were absolutely terrified. So can you <laughs> quote what she said? Um, well, she didn't actually, it wasn't words, it was more of a sound, and it was oh, like, uh, a very, um, forceful, angry throat clearing directed into his ear. <laughs> nice. To the point where he, like, jumped, and everybody's phones went in their pockets and never made their way back out, so. Awesome. Yeah, but, um, I love the movie, too. I, I, like I said, it's, I can't really say anything else that Brian didn't already say that, um, <clears throat> won't be spoilers, but... Um, if, if it's in your theater, it's down to two showings in our theater already, and it, and it only came out last week, but if you can make it to see it in theaters, it is something you need to see in theaters, not just because of the awesome sounds and, I mean, seeing it on a big screen is visually beautiful, but to, I mean, I know you think, oh, one, one person's not going to make a difference, but, you know, one that one person adds up really quick when a movie's doing so poorly, you know, you need to, just need to keep supporting things like this so they keep getting made. As I say, vote with your dollars. Go yeah. see the stuff that is the kind of thing you want to see more of, because that's how it gets made. Yeah. yeah. Even if it makes a little bit over its budget, that's better than tanking. And yeah, yeah. I'm hoping it's... I haven't checked our schedule. I'm hoping it's still on our theater, because I'd like to get out and see it one more time this week before it's gone. That is the joy of movie pass. <laughs> I feel like with this one, too, uh, you know, obviously the studio sort of shit it out, but I feel like they didn't even like it's almost like some you know executive or something saw it and was like i don't get it i don't know how to market this let's just throw it out in the middle of you know the bad movie season we'll we'll give it in foreign markets we'll just do it to netflix and let's just get rid of we don't know what we have here and it's like all these film critics and movie fans that are seeing it are adoring it you know what i mean it's crazy yeah, yeah and I, th- I saw, I can't remember what it was I saw the trailer ahead of. Was it Black Panther, maybe? I mean, it was something where, like, I went to see a movie and they trailed it, but it was opening, like, two weeks later. So, yeah, they did not do a good job of getting the advance word out at all. But I thought the trailer, I mean, it definitely made me interested. I would say it was maybe a little misleading because it made it seem much more like a horror movie, and it's not at all. But, like I said, there are definitely horror elements in it that put a lot of full-on horror movies to shame. Um, yeah, yeah, they almost pushed it as like a, a monster movie, which which it kind of is. It's it's yeah. very much a movie about cancer, yeah, which is definitely a monster. Um, but at the same time, you couldn't put a lot of stuff in the trailer without either spoiling it or just having to explain way too much. Right, just confusing Because <laughs> if you got people. too deep into what the actual heart of the mystery was about, it wouldn't make any fucking sense in a minute and a half trailer. But yeah. 
If, like me, you are a huge fan of Prophecy and the skinless mutant bear freaked the shit out of you when you were a kid, go see this because Prophecy Bear lives in this movie. Oh, nice. And you'll see what I mean when you go see it. Love the Prophecy. It is the creepiest part of the whole movie by a long shot, and it's awesome. Sweet. I agree. And um, I'm sort of going to transition into my pick because... It's the polar opposite of what we just talked about where, um, you know, speak with your dollars, um, pay to go see things that you think there should be more of because I went and saw <laughs> Death Wish. And yeah. I, even even though I use MoviePass, I'm like, hey, can I uh, get my, my Come money back? On. Yeah, um, it's, it's fucking bad. No, it's I, And the only reason I'm including this on the list is because um, everyone else took my other picks and because <laughs> Eli Roth directed it. I guess you you could call it directing. Oh my god! But um, you know, it's, I don't know if if Bruce Willis knew he made this movie or if he just like you know, I don't know, man. It was if it's just another like, here we go. Bruce is killing all the bad guys and he's badass and uh, there's some bad stuff in it. But I say he's I won't talk bad. About I don't know what badass. Yeah, I mean he thinks he is. I don't know. It just it didn't do much for me. But, I uh, liked it. He did you didn't change facial expressions through the whole movie? That's not true. He never does. That's what in the beginning. I thought I even said that on the way home with Mike. I thought it was fucking awesome that like uh, in the scene where the daughter learns she's going to college and she comes downstairs and she's bullshitting with her parents and she finally tells them. It's like he's he smiles for real, and it's like I was like, whoa! I don't know if I ever seen him smile like that before. <laughs> so I don't even tell you did change expressions. And there was there was one moment in the movie too where like he's talking as as the doctor guy, you know, talking with I can't remember his brother or you know you know the cops or whoever, and he he totally pulls a Kevin Conroy Batman on us where like he's talking his like. His vocal pitch is higher when he's the happy-go-lucky doctor, and then literally in the next scene when he's like gun-toting vigilante, his voice is lower. So I thought that was kind of cool. I think uh, the scene at the beginning where he was smiling um, to get okay. him to smile, they put like his paycheck, you know, off the screen. They're like, "Look, you're getting, you're getting get money after this, Bruce," and he got a big smile on his face. And I, I think his voice got lower in the vigilante scenes because he was just starting to fall asleep during the scenes. Okay, so, yeah. so except for Bruce Willis, what, why are they, why are the hatred for this movie? And don't say Eli Roth because that's no, that's... I, I don't, I don't hate Eli Roth. I think okay. Brian might, but I don't. Oh yes, he can fuck off. <laughs> I, I'm actually What's... a fan of his, and I've, I think I've liked almost everything up to this point. You know, but I mean, Knock just... Knock was good, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just doing it to rile my feathers. <clears throat> Uh, but I mean, Green Inferno is the best cannibal movie, right? Oh, I hope you're kidding, because uh, yeah, if clearly, you're not, I'm, I'm going to quit. I, know, I just wanted, I just wanted to hear what kind of noise you would make, yeah. <laughs> and I got a good one out of you. But um, I mean, I, no, don't, I, I just don't know what more you would expect out of a movie called Death Wish. You know, Charles Bronson. Yeah, Charles yeah, Bronson would be better than Bruce Willis. No. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I've seen Death Wish 3 and 4. I don't think so. 
I own <laughs> Death Wish 3 and 4 on Blu-ray, and I would rather watch those any day. Well, Death Wish 3 what, what, what is fucking awesome. Right. Death Wish, Death Wish 3 is like... It's what was everything glorious about canon films, but... But what's wrong with yeah. this movie? This this is as tone deaf as Death Wish 3. Like, the original Death Wish movie, you... Yes, you're sympathizing with him, but the violence is not pornographic, and he's not happy about taking up this role. And Bruce Willis is, like, awkward during the first fight, and then he's the fucking Terminator through the rest of the movie. There was a montage. Don't have montage. Anyway. But there was. I I just... This is one of those movies where I kind of want to actually read some critic reviews. Like, normally I don't give a shit about that. But it's just... This movie comes at a very weird time in our in our society, right? Like, well, crit- yeah, critics are saying, basically, that they're trying to say that Eli Roth made a very right-wing um, gun, pro-gun movie, which... See, that's what I was expecting I, them to say. But I don't right, know if... I don't funny, agree with that. I think Eli Roth is too fucking stupid to even realize he made that, you know? He, he's just like handed bruce willis a gun he's like all right you're gonna walk over there and shoot the black guy and then we're gonna go shoot some more black people and that's that's what i feel like his, his direction was Whoa. oh yeah if it uh it, it just glorifies i don't know i'm no, not gonna to be fair most of the bad guys are mexican not black but <laughs> there were some white ones in there too yeah and that the best part of the whole movie was the part in the um in the auto shop Oh, no, no. Awesome. The gore was awesome. Yes, it was. And when that, when that car landed on that dude and his head popped like a water balloon, it was fucking awesome. I think the most cringeworthy part was like the gun store. I hated that. Yeah. Uh, that when was... the, the the awful commercial they made for the gun store with like the table with the pop out gun, that was so bad. Um, <laughs> Our the, tactile furniture. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the scene where he's he's supposed to be like the soccer dad and not kicking the other guy's ass was bad. That was bad. Uh, that was awesome. The wor- my least favorite scene was probably when he's like walking out of a building to a rap song or something. Like when he pulls the hood up and he's walking to the ice cream man or whatever. Yeah. I, oh uh, man, like I wanted to uh, just hide. It was like. Wait. So what was wrong with the soccer scene? <laughs> I liked that scene. I don't know. Because I think felt... it. Esta- I thought it established. Uh, I thought it established his character really well in the fact that like, this guy could quickly go over the edge. Like he was. He was ready to beat the shit out of that guy. But his his wife. But you know his daughter was there. His wife was there. His wife even inter- gets in between it, so that when his family is completely taken out of the picture, he has. You know he turns on a dime of going from like nice guy doctor to being you know an asshole who wants to just kill her kill all the bad guys so oh yeah i felt like that was almost like the it wasn't um it didn't feel organic to me because it's like when he was soccer dad he was wearing he's pretty much wearing like a scarf around his neck or something he's like wearing i don't know he was like they put makeup on him almost and then like soon as he you know his family dies he he literally just puts on like a black hoodie and throws the hood up like you know that's his uh his like hockey mask or something i don't know it's just like oh he's got a he's got the hoodie on look out 
that yeah the, that part in the gun store was i don't know what upsets me more about that sequence thinking about wayne lapierre's massive erection that he must have got watching that scene or the fact that tactical furniture is probably a real thing oh it is so so that's the thing like that's why i asked about the critics thing because you know it on the surface it it you could be just very like you know supporting guns but like the whole first whole first half of the movie you're getting like you're getting man cow and like uh that other radio show the way talking man cow well, yeah, that that's a whole other discussion. They established Chicago um, very well. Um, but all this talk about you know all this gun violence that's going on and all this crime that's happening in Chicago long before Bruce Willis ever intervenes, and then and then like I thought I like the gun store scene and the fact that it shows like yeah that girl's it, cleavage. It's yeah, it's well yeah, <laughs> and the fact that like. Um, he can just go in and get a gun. It's no big deal, you know. And it's uh, to me, to me, that scene showing everything wrong with with uh, society when it comes to gun violence. Like she's way too happy go lucky about like you know, hey, we can get you hooked up with guns. You know, we can go get through this process no problem. You know, it's like she, <clears throat> she's an employee of like you know Victoria's Secrets and not a gun store. You know, right. And that's why I'm sort of saying that, you know, the critics that are jumping on him saying that he made a pro-gun movie, I'm like... But to I, me, like that said, scene was so was so anti-gun. Where right, it's yeah, like, and I this understand is what, what you're pro- saying, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. With that. They're, they're, glor- they're showing how, um, happy, like you said, and even the commercial, the fake commercial in, within the movie was like, you know, guns are fun, like, you know, made it, yeah, made it, was it like out. A, it was like a Saturday morning cereal uh, commercial. Right, yeah, and but uh, you know, and then I don't know. It just that, know. even that just goes to show how utterly hacky and tone deaf Eli Roth is. Like if they if he was really trying to satirize that part of gun culture, mm-hmm. but he accidentally just made it look like he thought it was cool. <laughs> no, so I'm... either he actually either he actually thinks it's cool and he's a douchebag, <laughs> or he's trying to send it up but instead is just accidentally glorifying it and is still a douchebag oh, well no i picked up on i picked up on that i didn't see it as glorifying as all i and i totally thought i read the message right the only thing i could uh, that i can't really argue with the critics saying that it's a it's a very pro-gun movie is in the fact that well if you take all of the stuff away you still have this guy who solves all of his problems with gun violence and he gets away with it at the end. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Right. And I have a hard time believing the whole, like, he's trying to have an anti-gun message because the literally the only person in the whole movie, aside from uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, I guess, who is saying, no, this guy is wrong, like, due process... And I understand, you know, our justice system sucks and it doesn't always work either, but is Sway, because you've got the two, like, the dueling radio shows of Man Cow and Sway, and Man Cow is like, yeah, fucking go kill them all, Bruce. 
And Sway is like, no, no, come on, guys. I don't think this is right. Like, this is fucked up. But even the guests on Sway's show segments are like, shut the fuck up. This guy's awesome. So, like, he's getting shouted down by his own audience. But what? But the other thing, though, too, is how can you do a remake of Death Wish in this day and age and still try to have, like, a message about what's wrong with gun violence in this country? You can't, because it's fucking Death Wish. Right, so why even... Why not just so make do a it? weightlifter with a machine gun movie? Well, I, that, my, just my point is, like, if we're going to have a remake of Death Wish, you know, uh, it's... Then it should be the clownish cartoon Death Wish 3 style Death oh, go, Wish. Go, go way over the top on the on that on that angle? Yeah, maybe. Well, then again, that's what... No, that's this it. one did. That's what I'm saying. This, oh. this movie isn't Death Wish. This is Death Wish 3. I need to go back and watch the original Death Wish, I guess. Yes, it's great. That whole... and, the, and the second one is one of the sleaziest fucking things I've ever seen. Okay, so remind me, because uh, Jason and I were talking about this. Um, so it it's the same thing, right? The wife dies in the first movie? Uh, the wife dies in the first movie. The second one, the daughter the... gets raped a whole bunch and okay, then killed. So the rape happens in the second movie, not in the first yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. There, okay. There's some like implied roughing up stuff in the first one but they they don't show anything the second one it's like last house on murder street it's pretty gross okay and so and speaking of uh gross and creepy um like i thought um vincent d'onofrio was awesome in this movie except for the scenes he had with the with the teenage daughter Yes, I was going to bring that up, too, because, like, two of the three people in our group saw that, too, were like, he is, is he checking her out, like, this whole movie? It's creepy. He, yeah, he's lingering at her a little too long, and I thought that was that was going to be a whole subplot in this movie. Like, he's going to have to take down his own brother, because his, his brother tries to rape his own daughter or whatever. I just think it's, like, an uncanny valley thing of Vincent D'Onofrio playing, like, the everyman working dude. Because his he always plays a little weird. Yeah. So seeing him playing a normal character makes that normal character seem like a serial rapist when that's not probably <laughs> at all what he's going for. It's just he can't help but seem creepy because he's Vincent D'Onofrio. Because it's him. He's he's just yeah. typecast into that. And that's what I thought, too. Okay. Cool. But even just that first scene at the restaurant, and he's sitting next to his niece, and like he's just exchanging looks with her that's like, this is this is creepy. Yeah, that's and I was when um the uh, my friend that went and saw it with me he he sort of said the same thing like when the credits were rolling and I was like I was thinking it but I wasn't gonna be the one to say it and when he said it I'm like okay uh, it's okay and now you say it I'm like okay so it's not just uh, us two. <laughs> oh. My favorite part was when Bruce Willis used a voodoo curse to stop one of the killers. Wait, he's trying, he's trying to segue it. Oh. <laughs> Because <laughs> we've been talking about Death Wish for a really long time. Here. All right, fine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should that, get on that, with that. That concludes this week's um, segment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the actual topic of the show. Twelve hours later, and that is movies with curses. So where should we start? Who wants to start us off? Well, we'll start with Brian. Since, oh, okay. No, go ahead, Terry. Thought you were asking for volunteers. Yeah, and, uh, and your turn. 
I haven't talked in a while. You guys have been talking a long time, so okay. I'm getting bored. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> how about uh, the seventh curse? Woo! Yes. Starting with that one, huh? With the good yeah. one. I want to. I want to bow down to Brian right now for introducing me to this film. Thank you, sir. This movie was awesome. Yeah. The, the suggestion of this topic was nothing more than an excuse to get you guys to watch this movie because I fucking love this flick. And I do I'm, now, too. Anyway, I'm sort of sad that you brought it up first because I was going to take a pee break, but now i got to sit through this one, too. <laughs> I feel like I'm regretting bringing this up now because now I need to explain it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck, yes. buddy. <laughs> there's, um, there's, it, it, there's this <laughs> tribe and or jungle people in Thailand, right? <laughs> okay. And they um, worship this worm thing <laughs> <laughs> that looks like uh, um, the thing from uh, Brain Dead or whatever. Almer, or what's, what's that thing's oh, brain name? Brain Damage? Elmer? Brain Damage. Yes, that. It, it looks does. a lot like that. Um, I guess. Oh Jesus! <laughs> um, That's a pretty good description. It's very of this movie. silly. It has Chow Young Fat, and he's really awesome. Yep. Uh, and he's super, super young in this with dreamy hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She's not wrong. I someone someone help me. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't have spoken up first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, not helping you. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is uh, actually based on a series character. Uh, his in China it's Doctor Yuan, or uh, in in the in the States it's it's or no, uh, wisely is the Chian fat character. I think anyway. Um, Doctor Yuan is kind of like a Doc Savage or Indiana Jones uh, like adventure novel. I wondered because I was confused there for a while because at the the opening scene. Where um, they 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 need this doctor because um, these these people have these people hostage and somebody inside's having a heart attack and there's police surrounding the building, so they send in this doctor who's this total badass guy and kicks everybody's asses, and then and then I'm like, is he a cop or is he a doctor? I was so confused. <laughs> so he is in Thailand searching for um, botanical remedies for AIDS, and he comes across this tribe out in the jungle called the worm tribe and they are in the process of selecting their uh yearly sacrifices to this deity they worship called the old ancestor and because one of the women is really hot he decides that she should not be eaten by a ghost and rescues her while the the shaman of the tribe places uh, a blood curse upon him so that uh, after and 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 uh, Betty or Betsy, I can't remember her name, like kind of works some counter magic and in the process gets herself cursed. And he only has a year until her, her the magic that she counteracted his curse with wears off. So it starts popping, which um, blood just squirts out of his knees. And once that happens seven times, then he's fucked. He'll just bleed out. So he has to go back to Thailand to rescue her, stop the sorcerer, and that that worm creature uh, who looks like Aylmer from Brain Damage is called uh, the Little Ghost. Ah, um, yeah, that's right. And, and that's that's another spell where it, it's like the the familiar of the Worm Tribe shaman, and 
but they, ha- they have to renew it every three years, I believe, which entails them going out into the into the jungle and stealing children from the other tribes. And once they get a hundred children, they shove them into this big stone press and smush them like they're making oh, grape juice. And then he and then he casts a spell, and a new little ghost worm fetus baby Bang. fucking monster will pop out and then baby come hide in his thing. robes. Yes. <laughs> And the old ancestor starts out as this amazing life-size skeleton marionette. So cool. fucking awesome. Right? That they have a kung fu fight with in a crypt. With a fucking... He has a kung fu fight with a fucking skeleton. And now we're not talking Ray Harryhausen stop motion and shit. This is a practical puppet that I could not figure out for the life of me You know how in the hell they they did this puppet. Because it is... It is anatomically a skeleton. Mm. It's not like a guy in a suit. And so I'm looking for wires. I'm looking for strings. I'm looking for maybe like a guy in a black suit that's like working it with rods. I couldn't figure. I thought you know it was, oh, a few- it, it was totally wire work. It's just that the video quality is so bad that you can't see the wires. <laughs> well, I well I th- I thought it looked pretty. The the uh, version oh. on um, was it Hulu Amazon? I thought that would look pretty pretty good, and I still couldn't see the wires so. You were dumbfounded. I was. I mean, I I knew it have obviously had to be a puppet, but there's moments in that there's moments in the articulation of that skeleton where it, it's moving like a real person, yep. like it puts any of those skeleton effects in Army of Darkness to shame. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> no, I was I was gonna say they uh, they definitely outdo the Army of Darkness skeletal work for sure. So then, if the old ancestor skeleton manages to claim a human victim and drink its blood and slurp out their fucking spinal cord like a strand of spaghetti out of their back, (coughs) then it becomes the goofiest fucking xenomorph knockoff with bat wings, man in a suit, monster Uh, on a wire rig flying around the set. Yeah, that monster was cool looking, man. I loved it. And the Uh transformation looked all good, too. I like the transformation sequence. Face stretching out. Yep. The the tongue was more like a Twizzler, though, not spaghetti. Yeah. (laughs) So then, they, uh... Red vine. They they eventually, yeah. (laughs) Red spine. So they eventually manage to get the uh, the Worm Tribe Shaman close enough to Old Ancestor that it eats him and turns into the Xenomorph thing, and they're about to be attacked by it, but the, the little ghost, claiming revenge for its master, attacks it. So you get this amazing fight yeah. Yeah. where <laughs> there's this dude in this baggy shit looking batwing xenomorph monster suit being whipped around the set on wires and that dude if i hope he wasn't motion sick because they were relentless swinging that poor bastard around and he's getting attacked by this fetus worm creature on his (laughs) stick somebody just basically just standing off stage and whacking him on the head with it and you know it's ripping pieces off of the of the old ancestor and old ancestor bites its tail off. And these two monsters are just literally tearing each other to bloody little tatters. And then at the end, Chow Yun Fat shows up with a rocket launcher and shoots. In the <laughs> yeah. <face. What> the <laughs> fuck? And 
there's a kung fu fight with some badass monks on this really cool Buddha statue. That was awesome. Because oh, they have yeah. to get... Uh, yeah. there, there's holy ashes hidden in urns behind the statue's eyes that they have to get in order to cure uh, Dr. Yuan and Betsy's curses. And sometimes the statue seems like 20 feet tall, and then sometimes it feels 200 feet tall. But it's still fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. What a fucked movie. This movie was awesome. This was obviously... Hong Kong movies are sheer lunacy. There was some crazy-ass drugs going on in the writer's room of this movie. Like, If you watch enough Hong Kong cinema, that's just kind of all like this, really. Now... How do you say this director's name? Uh, I would say Lam Gai Kai. I don't know that. Like, I'm a little better with Japanese okay. pronunciations than I am with Chinese. Well, I went I went straight to his IMDb, and he also directed Rikio, the story of Ricky, and I fucking I love Rikio. And oh. he did one called uh, The Thousand Year Cat, which I haven't been able to find yet and there's another one and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it's another like they the the characters awaken some sort of deity and it it sends monsters out into the world and the creature effects are basically them redoing the monsters from john carpenter's the thing Mm. (laughs) cool you need all these movies i do need all these movies that one's on youtube the thing one Okay, but I can't remember the title of it. I'll have to look it up. Well, same but, director, uh, right? I'll just look him up. Look it up later. Yeah, yeah, same director. Okay. And a thing about now, this could also fit into our uh, backwoods horror episode because uh, Chinese horror movies set in Thailand—they're sort of the Hong Kong equivalent to backwoods horror here in the states. Where like pissing off a Taiwan or a Thai hedge wizard is kind of the same thing as like you know Burt Reynolds fucking with the hillbillies in in Deliverance (laughs) whereas the southeastern part of Asia and Thailand in particular is considered to be kind of both culturally backward and full of strange and mystical things by by, uh, mainland Chinese so a civilized person from Hong Kong going there is like a city slicker Yankee from New York heading into the backwoods of Alabama for a vacation. One ends in pig squeals and banjo picking, and the other ends in barfing up centipedes and baby monsters, but the (laughs) idea is essentially the same. Yeah, I just, I had so much fun with this movie, man. You know, it's like... It was a lot of fun. Some cool monsters and just, just crazy. I just, you know... You know, it doesn't make any damn sense, but it doesn't need to. I don't need to. I don't need to know where this like worm baby monster thing comes from. I it don't comes care. from the blood of a hundred children. Okay, that makes sense. It's all perfectly clear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. But I don't need it to make any sense. I'm cool with it. Like this is this is the shit I live for, man. Yeah, this is pedal to the metal, batshit crazy entertainment from start to finish. And the. That crazy shaman guy, you know, who was the protector of the little worm baby monster guy. Or was it a the girl? little ghost? Well, yeah. I refer to him as as um, an Asian Gene Simmons from Never Too Young to Die. <laughs> <laughs> Does yeah, that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> and oh, the the guy telling this story at that party scene at the beginning—that's the author of the novels. 
Okay, yeah, because, yeah, I... I saw what you guys were writing back and forth on that. The the YouTube has that the begin the YouTube version had that guy talking at the beginning, but um, but the Amazon version didn't have that. It just goes yeah, straight it, into uh, that opening scene with the with the hostages. And I've got the Hong Kong DVD, the region free uh, disc of it, and I've I know I've seen that opening scene. But when Terry and I watched it this weekend, it. It did not open with that. It just goes straight into that hostage situation at the hospital. So now I'm trying to think, have I also watched this on YouTube? Or is that scene on the disc in like the special features? Or I, I don't remember now where I've seen that. But Yeah. 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 Who else has got anything to say about that? Tad, you haven't said anything about this one yet. Yeah, um, there's not really a whole lot I can say that hasn't already been said. I, uh, I don't know. This this whole episode is so diverse. Like all, <laughs> all three movies are so completely different in good ways. And He's running um, this, for an office right now. Yeah, this one was yeah, this one was really a lot of fun. Um, didn't know what to expect. I watched this one last, and I didn't mean to save the best for last, but I mean. If it's one of those like one of those movies that I'm going to have to show my friends now because you know that, yes. that I know that I know will uh, be like what what are we watching in a good way you know like what the right. fuck is this and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah as soon as I put it on it's like right from the beginning you know okay like it sets the tone pretty quick of, of like this is gonna be <laughs> batshit crazy and it's it's one of those ones where I don't at all mind that I'm reading subtitles because there was never one time I wanted to look away from the screen because I, I didn't want to miss <laughs> miss some fucking weird like monster or tentacle or you know gore or something I don't know I was like I'd have uh, I mean I just I don't feel like I even um, fully like until Brian sort of explained some more of it I, I did not grasp what was even happening but it didn't matter <laughs> to me. So like it did is- not it didn't matter at all to me. I'm like, I'm. I was just. A, you could turn the subtitles off, and I'd. I'd love it still. <laughs> it is kind of sensory overload the first time. I mean, this is probably the sixth or seventh time I've watched this movie now. <laughs> so I was. I'm able to pay a little more attention because I'm certainly not jaded to the pleasures of the seventh curse. But uh, you know, I've I've seen it enough that I can pay a little more attention to the subtitles now, which are occasionally hilariously poorly typed <laughs> but uh yeah I, I remember the first time i had heard the title so i knew it was a movie i should keep my eye out for and then i spotted the title in a catalog years ago and i worked at a record store I'm like okay we're ordering this and i'm gonna buy it and so i got it watched it couldn't fucking believe what i saw and had to show it to like the next day i had somebody come over like you have to watch this movie and his response <laughs> Was that was uh, one of my uh, buddies from college, Matt Voigt's. His response was, "I never knew I had spent my entire life with a hole in my soul in the shape <laughs> of the seventh curse, but it was there, and now it's been filled." <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, there was there's parts too that you know that um, I didn't quite get at first either. Like when he, when the shaman puts that curse on him, where uh, you know he just starts explode bleeding from his knees and shit. Like I couldn't figure out what he was feeding him. 
I thought it was the bullets. Yeah, it was the bullet. I thought too. Yeah, so I thought when when that started happening to him before it was explained, I thought, oh shit, this is cool. He's getting shot from the inside by these bullets. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) We may never know. That is as valid a reading of what happened as <laughs> anything else anyone might say. <laughs> uh, Jason, what would you think? Same. It was awesome. It was... Uh, I <laughs> I liked the crazy-ass um, black-winged creature at the end. I thought he was... I thought he looked really cool. I'm trying to remember... There was a, uh, isn't there, there isn't there like a, uh, a giant monster movie kind of, that kind of looks similar? Rodan? What? No. Oh. Oh. Gauss from Gamma vs. Gauss, 1967, maybe, the giant vampire bat? He's going to his books now. He's right here. I remember it was in one of my Golden Turkey Wars books. I'll see if I can find it. Um. What's anyone else got to say about Seventh Curse before? But it was, it just, I just, I, them two fighting at the end, it just blows my mind that that, like that scene could have lasted forever. <laughs> oh, at the end there with the worm the guy fighting the, yeah. Like, is this really happening? I feel like we should have, uh, this one could be one that we all watched together and, uh, in the same room yes. and just recorded like us talking about it while it's happening. Ooh, we should do a good commentary to do, yeah. or we could, since <sighs> rights for Hong Kong movies are very shady because a great many of them are funded with uh, triad money, especially <laughs> from the time period that this came out. Mm. So their, their distribution in the rest of the world is kind of up in the air. We could probably do a live show with this and not get in any trouble for it and not have to pay anyone oh, for let's it. Let's do it. Let's probably so re-release fun. it on Attack of the Killer podcast <laughs> studios. Or, yeah. or we'll get murdered by Hong Kong gangsters. Yeah, <laughs> oh. Triad's going to come looking for us. Because, because Attack of the Killer podcast is pulling away that sweet seventh curse cash that they were depending on. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, we just sold two more copies. Tonight. It's the next cult classic, and all to us, all due to us talking about. Yeah, it. it's it's free on Amazon Prime. It's fucking awesome. It's on YouTube too, right? Yeah, and I started to watch the YouTube version, and jumped over to Amazon, which I'm glad I did. The quality was way way better, but I was just got so frustrated because the Roku was being a little bitch, and I would turn on the subtitles, um, and uh. It would do like two things of subtitles and then just stop. And then I'd have to like click on it again and it would do it for two two more sentences and then stop again. I'm like, screw this. And then I found it on Amazon. I was say, Amazon the subtitles? Because, I mean, <laughs> do you really know what's going on anyway? It right. makes you feel better. Like, you, you at least have a clue. I kind of want to like watch, try to watch it without them, though, just to see how the experience is. is. I'm guessing the first 15 minutes would be 
kind of hard to sit through without the subtitles because that's where all the talking is. And sure. then once they get to Thailand, yeah. it's like, fuck it, who cares what they're saying? There's monsters <laughs> and they're driving a Jeep up the steps of some ancient temple and plowing oh some God, poor yeah. stuntman. That Did dude got nailed. Yes, yeah. right? <laughs> He's in a couple there, shots, yeah. There is no such thing as OSHA over there. Those stunt guys just really do that shit. Yeah. Or they're, they're just dead. Yeah, what, yeah, they might not even stunt guys. They're just guys. They're just yeah. <laughs> they they were in the way. You're just a guy when you're flying through the air. <laughs> and as much as that sucks for their workers' rights, that's why Asian action movies are generally way better than ours. Uh, yeah. Did you find that picture? I did find it. Um, under the in my Son of the Golden Turkey Awards book, uh, one of the oldest books I have in my collection. I've had this book forever. Uh, the category most laughable concept for an outer space invader. Oh, um, uh, you're talking about Gilala, aren't you? I don't know. Uh, well, it says, it says right there. See it? Uh-huh. Doesn't that look like it? Yep. Okay. Giant killer squirrel in uh, Varan the Unbelievable. Oh, G-A-R-A-N. come on. He's an iguana, not a squirrel. <laughs> But he's got the wings. But he's got the he's, wings. Yes, I think he's that's got why we're flying squirrel. Gli- but flying lizards have uh, flying lizards. But anyway, squirrels. that's who I thought it looked like. Look, Varan the Unbelievable is one of the coolest of, of the not crazy uh, like outer space King Ghidra type. Like because Varan the Unbelievable is not an outer space invader. He's just a dinosaur. Well. And, He's like an Earth kaiju, and Keizo Mirase, the guy who built that suit, is going to be at G Fest this year. Woo! Nice. Well, I mean, these books were my Bibles back in the day, but like nowadays, because this these books were my introduction to bad movies. This is pre-internet, but folks. yeah, and it was written by Harry and Michael Medved, and like, but I don't agree with seventy-five percent of the stuff in these books anymore. Because here, so just to run down the most laughable concept for an outer space invader, uh, you got the monster TV set from from the future in Twonky, which I've never seen. I've always wanted to see that movie. Um, you got uh, Rodan from um, Robot Monster. Uh, you've got uh, Jake. How do you say his name? The armadillo-looking guy from uh, the Godzilla movies. Angiris? Yeah. He's not from outer space either. See, when you said See, goofy outer saying. space invader, exactly. I thought you were going to say Gilala from the X from outer space, because that is the goofiest looking fucking Daikaiju suit ever made. Uh, it also has like the what they call the killer cucumber from Venus and it conquers the world. Uh, the extraterrestrial <laughs> turkey in the giant claw. Um, killer cat... Cattle skull from a distant galaxy in Ship of Monsters, man-eating carpet from outer space and creeping terror, and fifty-foot-high rubber chicken from up there in X from outer space. Yep, there you go. Yeah, Skillala. Uh, Ship of Monsters is cool too. That's a Mexican. Um, it's not a giant monster movie. They're more like normal-sized monsters. But yeah, this sort of space zoo crashes and silly things happen on a very low budget <laughs> uh they also have the giant killer eyeball and in voyage into space moldy cottage what they call moldy, moldy cottage cheese from beyond the stars and the green slime and you want to guess who the winner was it should be obvious I don't know, since half of them weren't space monsters i don't even know where this is going anymore. i know 
I know, but they the creeping terror. Oh, okay, yeah. So that that yeah. <laughs> For me, it'd either be creeping terror or robot monster, but. So right. Terry, can I can I gather from this that you enjoyed watching this goofy ass movie? Then, yeah, it was a lot of fun for sure. I think definitely the the skeleton glowy eyed dude was probably my favorite part. Yeah, he was so cool so looking. Cool, he was awesome and real. I mean, there was, a, <laughs> there was a couple of those like floppy arm hits to the face that was that was a little yes. goofy but <laughs> well Loved there are a it. couple of moments where he kind of like side eye looks straight into the camera too like but it was so the the effect of that was so cool for me i just thought it was great i i wish i could have watched you watching oh. this movie <laughs> oh yeah i was i was watching it by myself and i was just like hooting and hollering you know it's so it's a blast man so cool all right so we should probably move on huh sure who wants to take- if we have to <laughs> i don't want to either but who wants to take <laughs> us into the next movie well since this is the other one i foisted upon us i will bring up the zombies of moratau which i suggested as sort of a uh Historical curiosity. I actually quite like this movie. I yeah, honestly I liked it. kind of I honestly kind of assumed at least Jason and Tad were probably gonna hate it. <laughs> I figured you might like it and Terry probably would, but it's yeah. very slow. And it's a it classic is, black and white nineteen fifty seven. It's short though. I mean no. yeah, yeah it's barely like, for an hour. I think it's like sixty nine minutes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but the the plot is a team of uh, divers led by a guy named George Harrison uh, <laughs> are going to salvage uh, some diamonds from the wreck of a ship that had sunk some decades ago off the coast of Africa. And when the team arrives in the in the uh, cove, I guess wherever the off the coast of where these diamonds are supposed to be. They discover there's a plantation there, and this uh, this old woman named Grandmother Peters, and she's been living there ever since the ship sank because her husband was the captain of that ship, and those diamonds were cursed. Um, they had stolen them from a temple, and it uh, kind of works in the same way that the uh, pirates get cursed in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, where they steal those gold doubloons and then they are cursed to you know wander the earth until they are put back. Well, these pirate or these uh, sailors are cursed to guard these diamonds, and should anyone steal them, they they come back as undead zombies, like indestructible undead zombies, to stop people from taking them. And the reason I brought this up, and I said this was kind of a historical curiosity, is this was made in 1957, and even though they are not ghoulish cannibals, the zombies in this movie and again, are created by a voodoo curse, but are very explicitly the undead yeah. and not just brainwashed people because they're like, they've been, they drowned 60 years ago, but they come back, you know, they walk underwater and attack the divers. Oh my God, the those diving scenes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the best part is they could not afford, um, to actually shoot underwater for those scenes what? so they just had guys in diving suits on a set with bubble machines stuck to the back right. yeah they are very obviously just walking in slow motion <laughs> in a room 
It is awesome. But, you know, I mean, this movie was probably made for $20,000, you know, so they, they did pretty good for what they had. Yeah. I thought. It's, it was clever, you know, it's, yeah. It's atmospheric. Like, again, you, you can't look at a movie from 1957 like you would judge a horror movie from today. No. But no. Since we generally don't go much past the mid-70s on this show. I just thought it would be fun to throw some classic horror into the mix. I know we talk yeah. about the Universal yeah. Monsters every now and again, but as far as this kind of stuff, and, you know, it's it's very much a horror movie of its time. There's no sci-fi or anything. There's voodoo curses and zombies and people getting killed and um, George Harrison's wife, Mona, gets uh, gets zombified and, and tries to kill a bunch of people. You know, there's murdering and stuff. And, and that, by the way, that was Allison Hayes, who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was the uh, 50-foot woman in Attack of the 50-foot Woman as well, oh, among cool. some other 50s genre movies. And it was directed by uh, Edward Kahn, who did It, the Terror from Beyond Space, yep. and, uh, and a whole bunch of them. I mean, this dude made... Shit Almost 130 movies. movies yeah. yeah, did Invisible Invaders with um, John Agar. Uh, did the She Creature, which is not very good, but it's on Mystery Science Theater, so that was fun. Did the Creature from the Creature with the Adam Brain? Excuse me. So yeah, I mean he he was a dab hand at this kind of stuff uh, by 1957. Yes, I enjoyed this movie and i'm glad you suggested it because yeah we don't get into a lot of a lot of more classic stuff and i i would like to see us do some more um classic films on on this show something you know stuff that predates the 70s uh, <clears throat> you know because there's just a ton of great movies from that era and this is definitely one of them and when you when you first uh described it to us about how you know these are actually living dead zombies and not you know your typical just people tranced uh, zombies from this era. I found that really interesting because um, I've never really seen that in a movie before, and you know until Nine Living Dead came around. So, and this was a full eleven years earlier. Yeah, straight up calling them the Living Dead zombies, and yeah. But cool. since hardly anyone remembers the zombies of Mortatau, you know, Night of the Living Dead is obviously much more famous and a much better movie. But um, just because this one is is not as well remembered, you know, Romero gets the credit for creating the Living Dead. Well, he gets the credit for making them eat people, sure. Yeah. But <laughs> well, yeah, he uh, he gets the credit for creating what we know today as Living Dead zombies. You know, because with, with this one. They're not out to eat you or anything like that. They're just out to keep you from getting this, from getting this uh, gold. So, and to maybe right. high five you into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and yeah. they are very explicitly cursed as well, which yeah. you know, makes it fit the movie because they stole these diamonds from a holy place in Africa and got some nasty voodoo smackdown on them. Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean ripped this off more than George did. Yeah, there yeah, you go. For sure. <laughs> I uh, I like the scene where, where the we kind of really get to see the first zombie attack when he's attacking the two girls. Uh, it was a little Plan Nine ish for me, where <laughs> there's like three grown men in this room and none of them can seem to stop this very very slow moving zombie from walking to- slowly walking towards these two women. And you could even tell, like at one point, the women were getting tired of screaming. Like yeah. they would just take these like big long breaths between screams because they've obviously been screaming for a fucking while. When they could just walk away. I thought in a lot yeah. of the scenes with the zombies, if you watched anyone 
else in the background. They're like, uh, I probably could go. Yeah, I'd that's the thing. Like, no one knew how to react to yeah. these things. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's part of it being a product of its time. And that's why I kind of oh, expected yeah. to maybe get a little backlash for this one. Because, oh. you know, as a kid, I was not allowed to watch R-rated movies. So I grew up on classic black and white stuff. Now, I, I didn't know this one from when I was a kid. I had didn't get to see this until I bought the Sam Katzman uh, box set because it has the giant claw in it. Oh, um, nice. But but I'd known of this movie. I'd heard of its reputation. So when I watched it, like, yeah, I mean, of course, there's the stagey parts. There's, you know, even though it's barely over an hour long, it's got a couple of slow spots because it's, you know, super low-budget movie of its time. But, you know, damn if there isn't some effective stuff in this. The, the black-and-white cinematography really mm-hmm. kind of helps. And, you know, maybe the underwater stuff is a little goofy, but I think it looks neat. I yeah. like that kind of stuff. I I love classic old black and white horror movies. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm with you. Like, my introduction to horror was growing up on on the black and white movies. I used to watch Count Morbius on channel on channel eight. Uh, oh, wow! Well, I'm blanking on the name of his show, but that was, he was my first horror host, and he was my introduction to a lot of horror. But that's all he would show. Um, uh, it was just black and white films. Now it was mostly the Universals, but sometimes you get a movie like, you know, Tarantula on in there, or Black Scorpion, or um, oh, I fucking love Black Scorpion. Yeah, me too. Uh, Monster on the Campus was always one that stood out to me. I really, I always really liked that one as well. So, uh, so yeah, so I definitely have a fondness for for um, you know fifties fifties horror films for sure as well. But, uh, oh, Jason? Oh, I was just going to say, I, I quite enjoyed it, too, surprisingly, and had a, had a really good time with it. I thought I enjoyed the, the main girl and the the main actors a lot, and I, I mean, yes, the underwater scenes were obviously not, but I had a lot of fun with them, like you said. They are really cool. I couldn't, I'm like, I wasn't sure if it was a bubble machine or they somehow did that in later i wasn't sure so that's cool to learn oh, it was a bubble machine there, there was no will fix it in post in 1957 it's all in <laughs> yeah no yeah. i couldn't yeah. tell they looked it almost looked not part of it i don't know how to say it but uh yeah and uh terry one of the sailors was played by ray crash corrigan who, uh, among many many serials from all the way back in the 1930s was also the star both uh, on camera and in monkey suit of White Gorilla, which we oh got to watch God. at B-Fest this year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Terry loves it. Oh, I loved White Gorilla. That was one of Oh the my God, fun. why? <laughs> I mean, aside from the gorilla parts. Well, yeah, that's why. <laughs> but there's not enough of them to justify liking yeah. that movie. Anyway. There's not much justification for why I like a lot of the movies that I like. <laughs> but yeah, no, this one's fun. Um, I like. I kind of liked that the zombies were. I mean, they're they're more. I guess they're cursed, like in that they look young. Like I feel like most zombies, you're accustomed to seeing them. I mean, I know this was like super low budget and in the fifties, but. You know, there's no, there's zero makeup on them. Like they are literally just, they look like they were 
which they even talk about that the grandma talks about how her husband still looks the same as he was when um all of this stuff began so i thought that was kind of interesting yeah and even though at this point you in in 57 you would have had your uh your EC comics, your your horror comics, your Bernie Wrights and Certainly. stuff start to become popularized. They probably still couldn't get away with that in film because, I mean, those horror comics were very controversial at the time. And they were probably not allowed to, you know, they couldn't get away with that much horror on the screen. So they, even though they are explicitly stated to be the living dead, they still couldn't get away with making them look like it just yet. I love... One of my favorite little things in the movie was when they, like, literally at the beginning of the movie, when the driver is taking the granddaughter to see her grandma, and they hit the dude on the road. (laughs) And then, like, the light from the car, like, just happens to, like, just be sitting there, like, at the front of the car, just, like, hanging out. And I'm like, sure... That's totally feasible. It's fine. I mean, I get that you don't want to, like, wreck that headlight, because, you know, that costs money, but come on. So it's just busted off and rolling around on the front bumper. And the best part about that is then it, the, the, you see the car pull up to the to the uh, plantation house later in the movie, and it's still just rolling around on that bumper. Right! Well, they even <laughs> talk about later, like, they find the broken headlight, I'm like, yeah. I call bullshit, because it was still at the, on the car. Like... <laughs> It was still sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm this just... one too. Surprise, surprise. Holy shit. <laughs> we it all was like a classic one. It wasn't too slow. A lot of I'm, I'm black and white two. things can be really slow, but Yeah. I don't know, like I, I actually do love a lot of the films from this, you know, this time. Uh and mm-hmm. I love black and white movies. This the I love the scores. Like if we can get, um, you know, it, now right now the trend is to rip off like the John Carpenter scores for all the horror movies. How about we go back and steal some of these like bim, big, um, boombastic scores? I, I like, you know, even if I'm I'm like working on something on my computer, I just love having like an old movie like this playing in the background just because mm-hmm. I love the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sweet. Wow. See, again, like, knowing Terry is a, a fan of classic, you know, like, properly classic films, I figured she'd uh, have a little more patience for this. So I'm glad it didn't put you to sleep. <laughs> but I, I, I was, I was, like I said, I, I fully thought Tat and Jason would be like, fuck you, why did you bring this movie up? <laughs> nope, that's the next one. It was fun. This one, it well, had a lot of so, character. Hey, the next one wasn't my suggestion. I know. So, so, here, two for two. so yeah, here's oh, wait, the thing. Here's the thing, I think from now on, Brian needs to program the shows with the movies, because apparently (laughs) doing a much much better job at it than me. Well, I mean, We just walked on Terry. What were you saying? What? Oh, Oh, you were saying something, and everyone kind of exploded. Sorry. I have no idea. It's fine. You said it had a lot of character, and I thought you were going more. Yeah, that was the end of it. Oh. <laughs> in, in that case, I'm sorry I shushed everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the curse. Um, I get oh. that it's called the curse. <laughs> and it's but what the fuck? But before we get into that, I have one more little piece of trivia for y'all about uh, zombies of Moratau. 
Grandmother Peters was played by an actress named Marjorie Eaton. Now, she had a pretty storied film career. She was born in the very early 1900s, and she died in 1986. Probably the most famous role that nobody knows her for is she was Emperor Palpatine in The Empire Strikes Back. What? She was under very heavy makeup, sculpted by Phil Tippett and Rick Baker, and it was and she her voice was overdubbed by Clive Revel, and they used uh, an optical printer to superimpose chimpanzee eyes over her eyes to make her seem more otherworldly. But what the that fuck? is Holy Marjorie shit. under the Emperor Palpatine makeup. Oh my god! If you, Weird. If it just blew my mind. Stupid, if you see the stupid special edition version, then they replaced him with Ian McDermott who yeah. plays Palpatine in the prequels. Yeah. But if you if you go back and get, dig out your VHS tapes of the original cut, the original version of Empire Strikes Back, that's Grandma Peters from Zombies of Moritau as Emperor <laughs> Palpatine. That's that's crazy. I thought she was great. In she was, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. oh, okay. <laughs> and everything. <laughs> wow. I just... Blew my mind, man. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, so then, yeah. So is it time to get into the curse? If we have to. You mean I apologize just, for the curse? Yeah. I just, I, I do. I am going to say I'm sorry. Like, when I posted this list, I was watching the curse. And I almost... <laughs> he was doing that evil laugh where he puts his fingers No, no, together. no. I almost went back and retracted it. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Because I got through this, I got through this whole movie. And I'm like, what the fuck does this have to do with curses? <laughs> Almost doesn't count. You should have, you should have went back. Should've I know, I sh- I should have, but, but it's I was called already the curse. too far invested. It's the curse. Mm-hmm. If I had to watch it. You fuckers did too. Um, so I'll describe this one. It's my fault. So <laughs> this uh, this farm family. Um, well, it's it's uh, this mother and. And her two kids, one of which played by Will Wheaton. So, Wheaton. Um, is it the little girl his sister? And the little girl is his sister, absolutely. In her first movie, I don't know if she's done anything since then, but um, <laughs> probably not. Not after the curse. Oh, not after this came yeah. out. <laughs> no, I, you know that's kind of it. Once you've done the curse, man, where else can you go? You're lucky Will Wheaton got out of it. Yeah, no. So, so she ends up. Um, remarrying this uh they never i don't think they ever say what happens to their actual father but she ends up remarrying this like really religious farmhand who totally should have been played by joe don baker yeah Yeah. close enough right um but that yeah that would have been awesome oh i'm just gonna ponder that for a little bit and he has his own son uh and you know the kids don't get along and all that uh uh but then one night um the night uh like you know, the mom's all kind of horned up and wants to, you know, do it. And, like, but the farmer guy is way too religious and proper. And it's just like, women don't women don't make the first move, you know. So she she goes off and gets some strange from the, far, from the farmhand. And during all this, a meteor crashes just outside of the farm. And all chaos ensues. Like, all the animals start to get sick. All the, all the uh, fruits and vegetables that they grow go bad. And um, and everything like oozes weird green pus shit, and uh, uh, it's you know and as the family is is drinking the water and, and eating the food, they start to uh, 
kind of become monstrous and go crazy as well um and it's all because of the meteor it has nothing to do with his freaking curse and will wheaton's on the mission to find out what's what's happening to what's happening to the farm what's happening to her, his mother and but the the farmer just thinks that and this is where the curse title actually comes into play the farmer's really religious and he knows that his wife his new wife was cheating on him with the farmhand so he thinks that her infidelity has caused a curse on the farm and like it is kind of like a plague on the farm per se but there's there's definitely more of a sci-fi angle to it than just you know god putting a curse on this farm or whatever so that's my uh synopsis of uh the curse is it really the actor david keith that directed it no it's not david keith the actor oh isn't that keith david keith, yeah keith david well, i'm looking at the no no david keith well who's david keith the fucking actor i just didn't you listen what the, yeah. the guy actor from, from what Man, though they live uh, no, that's Keith David. With, yeah, uh, that, that's what I thought you were talking about. No, Keith David's okay. black, but Dave, yes. it does say David Keith is an actor. Yes. Officer and Gentleman, Daredevil, U571, Firestarter. Okay. Hmm. I just don't know He's him. A, you, Good for you him. You know his face. Oh, yeah, his face yeah. looks familiar. <laughs> now that, yeah. But he's, like, directed nothing else. Two other things that suck, <laughs> probably. I will, like... Well, here's Had the... I been more in the mood for knowing what this, what I was getting into, like I think I need to revisit this one, like maybe watch it with some people and you know riff on it a little bit. It'll be more fun. I just I, I had no idea what I was getting into, and yeah. the meteor crash is the best part of the movie. That I I would bet, in, I will eat my hat if that was not intentionally a tribute to it came from outer space. Okay. The Jack Arnold directed yeah. movie from the fifties. Yeah. Because I mean, go like go on YouTube and watch those two meteor crashes side by side. Like that is one hundred percent homage to the, you know. And then it's just, I don't know. People get a little slimy. <laughs> I was just I just wanted it's more. Jawbreaker, the and the then movie. it melts, and then it. I just I remember this movie sitting on the video store shelves of every video store yeah. and it is a fucking cool cover that poster is is gorgeous this hand coming up from the earth just crushing the farmhouse and it was all i always thought it was a really cool poster just for some reason i never got around to renting it now i bet you if i did rent it back then i probably would have loved it and it would be like mm-hmm. a soft spot for me now because um, I, I get that vibe from it, that this would have been something I would have probably really liked back then. And I'm not saying I totally hated this movie, but I, I'm like like with you, Brian, I just had had totally mixed expectations going into it. Yeah, and, and I I see your point, and I 100% agree that had I seen that, you know, had this been one of the movies we rented at our one of our high school movie nights, I would love it. But, yeah, coming to it now, it's just... It, it, it cannot deliver the things that it promises. <laughs> it's I don't know. Maybe is it just the fact that it's just a little. It's too slow because it yeah. mostly just has to do with just like the water goes bad and the food goes bad and the animals go crazy. 
But it's not and, like you and, get and like I can appreciate that they were trying to build like oh something's going bad. Like they don't just play all the cards at once. Like I I thought yeah. that actually didn't. It is slow. It could have been paced better. But I like that they didn't tip all the slimy zombie monster hand right away. Mm-hmm. Because I, I like that kind of build up to all oh, the animals are going crazy, but super religious nutbag stepdad won't let anyone. It's like, you're going to drink this water. It's good for you. Shut up, boy. And, you know, the horror of, you know, we were talking earlier about, well, on, on the Patreon episodes, so you'll have to. Uh, donate to hear that but talking about the horror of losing control you know being a kid being forced by your parent to drink this contaminated water and watch you know there's some effective you know paranoia and just knowing things are going like it's like watching a car crash that you can't stop (laughs) yeah and just watching his the, the the only one who's ever really on his side his mother and watching her just completely deteriorate and the farmer farmer father dude not wanting to do anything about it just thinks it's like his farm is cursed and trying to make do but like there's a local doctor and it gets to the point where he won't let him in the house and so will wheaton's kind of just kind of like stuck in this situation although like there in the third act when things go totally off the rails he finally like packs up his shit and is about ready to run away and i'm like why didn't you do this a long time ago dude <laughs> Like, you know. I was so pro for... I just thought that through the whole movie. I'm like, grab your sister and just leave. But, uh, I mean, but when it does go crazy in the third act, I got really into that. Like, uh, you know, seeing the mom all zombied out and you know, in the basement of the house and, um, uh, you know, the 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 farmer's son going all crazy too and eventually the farmer himself and then what the hell just the all of a sudden like this the house just starts imploding you know the funny thing is i it was less than two weeks ago that i watched this movie when i got home tonight from work thinking about oh what are we going to talk about what do i want to bring up what are my talking points i realized i couldn't remember how this movie ended like once the mom got zombified and locked in the shed I could not remember a goddamn thing about the rest of the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> so I had to go back and watch like the last 10, 15 minutes of it again before we started recording. <laughs> and uh, then after I did watch it, I was like, oh, that's why I forgot, because it was kind of nonsensical and stupid. Oh. And I, I just thought say, it like way, went way off, the, way off the rails, man, because yeah, why is the house just just all, sudden, all of a sudden start caving in? Right, it just doesn't make any sense. Like it, it looked neat. I just didn't yeah. know why it was happening. Yeah, I will yeah. say this is way better than the second one. <laughs> yeah, you I had watched, me. I watched them back to back, and holy shit, does that movie suck? Oh man, well, you had me intrigued with the second one when you told me it was about a guy whose arm turns into a snake. I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, but that's like the last five minutes of the movie. Oh, boo! <laughs> I know, right? It uh, it does the villain of the piece is Max Klinger from Mash, <laughs> so if you're a big oh, back in again. fan, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else was I going to say about this? I had something else and I just lost it. Mm. I'm sorry. Well, no, that's all right. Um, and I sent you guys a message saying don't watch this while you're eating because I oh. made the mistake of eat. I was eating during the scene 
where they're in the barn and like whatever weird ass cancer tumor things around the cow udders and this was that cow shit that was pulsing and then exploded with maggots all over him i don't know it was gross gross. that's what 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 is exploding is an ongoing question in this movie (laughs) (laughs) because at the end when the town doctor or whichever like comes back to to rescue will wheaton and stabs zombie stepdad through the stomach, and then for some reason that makes the television explode, and it was full of blood. What the fuck was going on <laughs> it happens. there? It happens. <laughs> um, and what's with the opening scene in this movie too? That never comes back into the play. The dude in the car. Where the, where the cops are outside of the house, and the guy comes out of the house, and he's all crazy, and they arrest him. It's in the water! And he's just, yeah, he's just screaming, it's in the water, as he's watching people wash their cars, and, you know, playing in the sprinklers. Was that the guy from Carrie? Which the guy actor? from Carrie? That's a lot of guys. Um, the main guy? The one who goes to prom with her? No, no. That, not? Is that No, that's William Cat. Greatest American Hero is also in house. Hmm. Yeah. No, but I, I, I see where you. Yeah, we. He looks similar. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. But that scene was pointless. Like that doesn't that never comes back into play in the movie. Yeah, it I'm doesn't even belong in the I, same movie. I honestly did not finish this movie. Like I just turned it off, and I don't normally do that. Oh but man, I was that just, bad. I just. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to, like, understand what was happening. I don't feel like that was necessarily the problem. I just, I was, I was done. I'm like, no. Wow. I don't even know. I give up. Wow. (laughs) My problem was with the, the filmmaking. I had a really hard time with the editing and the, there were, like, so many shots of like things happening in the bottom third of the frame mm-hmm. you know i couldn't fucking stand it like yeah. there were shots of like car doors shutting and that's all that's in the frame is that you're watching the door shut and it's in the bottom third of the frame and you're just like why do i why is this here why i hated it we watched it on youtube right yeah you don't think it may have been cropped because no. I noticed that too. It was a little stretched, I thought, but yeah. Uh, but no, there's a, there's a just, lot of shots yeah. that were meaningless and pointless. I thought the editing was all over the place, but ultimately, it was the direction of just like the way they put the story together was just a choppy fucking mess. I don't know. I had a wasn't a fan. wasn't a fan. <laughs> I tried to be constructive. It was John Schneider, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah. From Dukes of Hazard. I'm like, I know he looks fucking familiar. Yep. Was that really it was John Schneider? Yeah. from oh. Dukes of Hazzard, yeah. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. Totally was. Oh, those crazy dudes. Like, it's Duke one of those boys. blonde dudes from that era. <laughs> those crazy Duke boys. Tad, your thoughts? He's been quiet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, I don't know. I'm, at least I made it through this one. Oh, but, yeah. Um, You're not a quitter. <laughs> yeah well i mean because i didn't I want to like, yeah i don't know like like brian was saying he he went he's a trooper he went back and you know he forgot the ending i sort of forgot the whole movie but uh <laughs> no i i do i remember um 
a lot of the growth out stuff and you know cute little Will Wheaton but that's about uh, and I thought the uh, the big uh, whatever the, the big glowing thing outside was sort of cool but I don't know <laughs> it, it was it was pretty forgettable and uh, <laughs> compared to the uh, the other two movies this one just yeah it, there has to be the worst I'm just the glad worst I watched it first movie. yeah yeah, I, yeah, I watched this one first too, and uh, yeah, not not so good. It's uh, I watched this one like right after we uh, got the movie list, and I was like, oh, here we go again. Uh, but Mike, <laughs> so again, I it's, saved the day. It's, it's proven two out of three, man, and the one the one I, the one that's bad is the one I picked. It's uh, it's on it's all on Brian now. To be fair, though, you, I mean, you have to look at the odds. I mean, you you choose how many compared to, I mean, but then again, you know, Brian sneaks in, chooses two, and they're both knockouts, so I don't know. <laughs> well, and, you know, in this one, like I said, after that total Jack Arnold worship meteor crash, I was along for the ride, and then, boy, the rest of the movie just committed to losing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Mike knew it was bad too, but he just had to. He had to watch it. I didn't it know it was well. Well, I mean, you had. Been when I originally it. put it on the list, I didn't know it was it was bad or that it was this bad anyway. Well, <laughs> well and I'm just gonna say, in Mike's defense, that uh, Brian picking movies isn't necessarily always going to be. Right, this I agree. Movie. I don't think no. so. I don't think this, I'll have a problem with it. Just a, this was just a trick to lull you into letting me pick more movies. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're watching Nuki. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Oh my I god. Like <laughs> <laughs> so this movie was produced. Oh man, god damn it! Why did I even start this? Uh, it was produced by that guy. Oh, Ovidio G. Asantitis. Sure. A video Asanitis. Yeah, the guy who made Tentacles. Yeah, awesome. yeah, that's, that's what I was going to point out. He made Tentacles. He he uh, also produced Piranha Two: The Spawning. I love Piranha Two: The Spawning. Uh, James Cameron's first directorial movie. Yep, uh, with Lance Hendrickson even. Mm-hmm. Um, flying Piranha Fish. The movie's awesome. We need uh-huh. to watch Piranha yes. Two: The Spawning. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Beyond the Door. So like the green door? No. Okay. So anyway, yeah, some uh, some very interesting films in that guy's filmography that kind of makes me his makes... last name sounds like something you need to see the proctologist for. Yeah. <laughs> and it says here on on IMDb for the curse, uh, the producer said in an interview that Lucio Fulci was not his partner on producing the film. He states that Fulci was only the director of the second unit. What? Wow. That Fulci was second unit director on the freaking curse? I mean, so all the of the slimy yeah. stuff was him. Yeah, and the yeah. rest <laughs> of the garbage was David Keith's fault. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, there, but, wait. There was a Fulci, but was it him? I thought it was a different name. No, see... Oh, shit. Uh-oh, it was do? a different Fulci. Like I'm like, I wonder if that's his cousin. No, yeah, like... I noticed that too. That there was a Fulci. Um, oh, 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 oh! It is Lucio Fulci because I'm looking at the credits now. Produced oh. by, and it was a producer's credit. 
Um, but it was produced as a Luis Fulci. Oh, but yeah, it's, that but sounds it, right. It says here produced by, and it's got everybody. It's got Lucio Fulci, executive producer, in parentheses as um, Luis Fulci. Oh, so that's interesting. That's his AKA. American that's what his name. friends call him. Yeah. And here's <laughs> something that's going to piss Brian off. Um, under writing, oh, God. under writing credits, it gives credit to H.P. Lovecraft for the story of color, the color uh, out of space, uncredited. <laughs> okay, I can see it. Yeah. Like I said, Annihilation is the best adaptation of that we're going to get. We got this one, and it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though, that that got brought up earlier with, with yeah. that other film, and then The Curse is also, apparently... It was also written by David that. Chaskin, who did Elm Street 2. Oh, no huh. kidding? Yeah. Who did the screenplay for it. Which made it onto some posters to help sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, the Fulci thing blows my freaking mind, man. It's just crazy. Wow, we done. He even has a. <laughs> so I think you're. I think I don't think you were too far off, Brian, when you said that the second unit just did all the all the uh, all the gory goo effects and all the gross effects and stuff because Lucio Fulci even has a special optical effects designer credit. Well. On IMDb, it's in parentheses that says uncredited. But, but optical effects would imply it was the stuff with the meteorite. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Practical on-set, in-camera gore stuff is not optical effects. Yeah, so you're that's right. weird. Hmm. So he did the... So basically everything good about this movie, Lucio Fulci did. <laughs> <laughs> All 30 seconds of it. Sweet. Oh. Okay, I, I think I ended up liking this movie better than the rest of you guys, but like, yeah, it's definitely. I don't know if I don't know if I'd recommend it unless it's a party setting, maybe. Yeah, I, I want to do this again with, with friends and riffing. Yeah, and I think it would be better. Well, cool, man. Uh, so those are the movies that uh, we all watched for this episode. What other films you? What other films spring to mind when we talk about uh, curses? Uh, drag me to hell. Yes, drag me it's to hell is the first one I, I pops into my head too, and I still I love that movie. I haven't watched it in forever, but I love that movie so good. Thinner came to my mind first. Yeah, Thinner's up there. Now we talked about Thinner not that long ago on what Stephen was it King Stephen King episode. episode? But uh, I'm glad one. I'm glad we uh, did revisit that one because yeah. it had been a while and. Didn't Mick Garris... Was it Mick Garris that directed Thinner? I can't remember. Uh, sounds plausible. <laughs> that's a... Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Way more talented director than Mick Garris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still like Mick Garris. Yeah, Mick Garris is this Brian. I, I think I like him as a producer better. Like, yeah, okay, I could agree I, with that. I love him shepherding Masters of Horror. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he clearly is a fan of the genre, and that's what he works in. But the stuff that he himself has directed, like his Masters of Horror episodes, not very good. Most of his TV movies, mm, kind of mediocre. He did Sleepwalkers. You know? Yeah, I, I need to that see that lot. again. I haven't seen it forever. But Just got that on Blu-ray. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, nice. 
I, have I, to just, that. I, I like Mick Garris, the person and horror fan, better than Mick Garris, the director. How's that? Yeah, and have you've you, been listening to his gonna, podcast. I was just going to ask if you, anyone's listened to his podcast. Yeah. If you have John Carpenter on your podcast, I'm going to listen. Yep, that's the one I listened <laughs> to the other day. Just a couple little friends talking shit. It was pretty fun. Awesome. Well, the one that one of the first titles that springs to my mind, besides Drag Me to Hell, probably one of my favorites that deals with a curse, and that's Lady Terminator. Oh, Fuck shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love See, Lady Terminator. This whole Terminator. episode should have just been Asian movies. <laughs> <laughs> you say that every time. <laughs> yeah, I know. But... But curses are, do seem to be sort of a co- more common theme. In Asian cinema, though, for some reason. They have lots of folklore and things like that. Yeah, I, th- I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, it, It's all in their, uh, all in their folklore. Um, but, oh man, Lady Terminator is so awesome. <laughs> I, I, I love how they want to cash in on the Terminator, yeah. but they don't... They don't f- there's, there's still moments in the movie that are st- ripped off strict, straight from Terminator... But they don't follow the Terminator storyline. They have to mm-hmm. throw in this this curse, where you know this this like witch woman or whatever takes on all these different lovers, and this one guy, um, and she has like a snake up her cooch, and this this one guy doesn't get killed off by the, <laughs> the the snake, and so she puts a curse on on his family that like his great 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 granddaughter or whatever is cursed. And then turns out she ends up being like the, the quote unquote Lady Terminator. So she's just she's just possessed. She's not a robot she's in the future. By, by a uh, by a properly like authentic character of folklore called the South Seas Queen. Oh yeah, that was it. The which Seas which gives Queen. her a power similar to uh, Marilyn Chambers in Rabbit, except the vampire eel comes out of her vagina instead of her armpit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But they even they even do the scene in the in the hotel room where the Terminator takes out his eye, mm-hmm. and they do that in Lady Terminator too. And for what? Just because it was done in Terminator it has nothing to do with the rest of the rest of the movie. It's oh, I love Lady Terminator so much. Do you have it? I do. Awesome. After we watched it on, at Justin's, Justin's, I I freaking oh, hey. tracked it down and I had to have it. I had to have it. Can't remember where I got it from, but yeah. I've got that exact copy there, the Mondo, uh, the Mondo one, Mondo Macabro DVD. Macabro yeah, DVD. I've got that same one. That's yeah. great. Mystics in Bali would be another great one for this. Thinking of uh, Mondo Macabro titles. Oh yeah, that movie's crazy <laughs> that too. Yeah. It what is. the fuck is that? <laughs> he just pulled up the box cover. <laughs> what is that? To Mystics in Bali. It's a it's a Penangalon, which oh, is another okay. actual. Uh, element of South Pacific uh, and Asian folklore of a witch puts a curse on you and turns you into a vampire, except your vampire form is not like a cool sexy, oh, I've seen clips of Dracula thing. Yeah. It's just your head comes out of well, your yeah. body, drags your spinal column and your internal organs with it, and <laughs> then you suck the blood of pregnant women out of their crotches. Yeah. What the fuck? That's <laughs> pretty cool. Also similar to the uh, Aswan of, I believe, Filipino folklore. Ah. <laughs> Learn something new every day. 
<laughs> things you wish you didn't know. Good stuff. Totally. Who else has got other titles? Oh, yeah. Um, along with Mystics in Bali, I would put uh, Boxer's Omen up there, which is a Shaw Brothers movie, and the finale involves the hero being attacked by chicken skeletons. What? And I think an alligator. I need to watch it again. <laughs> the- There's also, I like, like I was saying earlier, pissing off a hedge wizard in Thailand is a really bad idea. And, <laughs> and, and that is the uh, starting premise for a lot of movies like this. There's another one that's way fun, which is a, a Hong Hong Kong Category 3 movie, which is essentially their version of X-rated, but there's no actual sex in this one, uh, but it's called The Eternal Evil of Asia, and uh, it, among other delights, features the delectable Ellen Chan fucking a ghost in midair, and a guy getting turned into a giant dick. Oh. It's silly and fun. Oh, this is why this is why I love having you on the show, Brian. You give me so many good titles. Oh man, anybody else got any other titles? There's one more I'm gonna bring up. Um and then we can move on. Uh unless anybody else has any others they want to bring up. But uh um just because I am going to continue to champion this movie till the day I die. And that is uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Yeah. I freaking I love really that like movie. It. And it's one of those that I I love it more and more every time I watch it. Like, I keep finding new things with the movie. And um, its biggest flaws was not the director's fault. It was the, uh, the, the studio's fault. They, like, changed things um, at the last minute in the editing on the film. And so if you know like the the full story there's an amazing director's commentary on the dvd that kind of explains all this but if you know the whole director's vision of this movie like i've never wanted a director's cut of any movie ever as much as i want of this because everything every choice that got that got, got taken away from him i think just would have made this movie so much better but but despite that, I still really love this movie. It's it's probably my favorite out of the whole Blair Witch franchise, to be honest. So I was just gonna say, what else is there in that franchise? But I forgot they made another one earlier this year. Yeah, which I I still liked the newest one. I yeah. like that one. And if I'm calling it a franchise, I will also throw in the the fake documentary, The Curse of the Blair Witch, into into it as well, which I think is kind of a uh, a a piece that you have to watch with the original movie. Yeah, that was basically just created as viral marketing for the movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, I think it was originally aired on um, Sci-Fi, but it was kind of all part of that that viral. Uh, um, publicity that they did where they were trying to m- convince everybody that this was all real. Yeah, I remember watching Curse of the Blair Witch on sci-fi and it freaking me the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, that documentary is, on, 
was almost freakier than than the original movie. Well, there's no almost about it. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I still say that end scene in the in Blair Witch Project is was was so masterfully crafted, and it's one of the it's one of the scariest scenes I've seen. I love it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, so unless anybody's got any other tiles they want to talk about, um, we will take a quick quick break. And when we come back, it'll be uh, segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. See you in a bit. You've been listening to the Phantom Podcast Network on downrightcreepy.com. Follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud for more creepy shows. <laughs> and we're back. It's time for segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. And we are going to start, as we always do, with some shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! Okay, just asked, uh, what are your favorite horror films dealing with curses? We got a bunch of good responses on Facebook. Up first, we got Nick Leadham says, I got a kick out of Thinner. And Jason Zbornick chimes in. He says, that movie is pretty fun. Yes, it is. Your fun definition is weird, Jason. (laughs) It is Uh, fun. Dustin Krutzinger says, it follows. Yeah. The movie ruled. It does. Leo Redman says An American Werewolf in London The Craft and Drag Me to Hell So yeah We We didn't uh, put a big definition on it What's that? We didn't put any big No and that's fine Um, But for the show itself We tried to stay away from Like mummy movies and werewolf movies Because both of those are very um, You know Have a lot of films that are very uh, You know cursed based but, uh, Although, have you guys ever done a mummy episode? No, and I think we should. Yeah. Uh, what was that Fuck Italian? Yeah, what's that Italian mummy movie? Was it Dawn of the Mummy or? Uh, sure. Okay. I'm gonna I have to find one. it because that that one's awesome. But uh, or or we can do some like um, Mexican Aztec mummy movies. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Up next, we got Tim Connor says The Omen. Oh. Mun. <laughs> We're high five for that later. Okay. Okay. Uh, we got Peter Parker said not. Not Spider Man. <sighs> Peter Parker says Pumpkinhead, Sinner, and Drag Me to Hell, and all Rob Zombie films because his characters curse all the time. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, Peter. Parker. <laughs> He's he's snarky like Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. That's all he ever hears, I'm sure. <laughs> uh-huh. And you're just making it worse, Mike, every yep. time. Yep. We like you, Peter Parker. We do. Up next, Randy. Isn't his, oh, Go ahead. Was, isn't his profile picture of Spider Man? 
Oh shit! It is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he's I'm good. just saying. He, he embraces it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Either that or he's a big name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Randy no- Noel says I watched Friend Request re- recently and it surprised me. I'm trying to remember if I've seen that one. I thought that's the Skype one. So am I, am I confused? Am I confusing that one with Unfriended? Yes. Oh shit! Okay. Now I don't remember Unfriended. Unfriended was the Facebook one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's the one with the girl who like obsesses over the other girl and posts. Oh, that one. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's yeah. and that got a sequel. That sucked. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, Michael Rowland says, "Drag me to hell for sure." The jump scares in that film are really masterfully executed. And one of the funniest fight scenes between a woman and a scarf ever. <laughs> ever. I really need to see I know. Definitely. Yeah. I, I literally have not seen it since it came out in the theater. I don't think so either. I've watched it once when I bought it on DVD and that's it. So it's so Years. like right when I bought it. So it's been yeah, forever. The Meat Man himself, Sean Davis says Thinner creeped me out when I first watched it. Derek John says, Pumpkinhead, Curse of Chucky. Mike Reeb, the poster man himself. Oh, Let's Mike. give a giggle shout out to Mike Reeb. God damn it. What? Oh, he said a movie that I was going to say. And then, okay. <laughs> I failed miserably. Hmm. Say it. Mike Reeb says, Curse of the Demon. Yes. And of course, Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Curse of the Demon, is that good? Curse of the Demon is fucking amazing. It's based on a story called Casting the Runes by the master of British ghost stories, M.R. James. And it is probably the best movie about black magic ever made. It's fucking incredible. Another classic black and white 50s movie. Um, I believe Jacques Turner produced it. They, They were forced to put... Or no, Jacques Turner was the director, I think. I don't have the information in front of me. But um, it, it got a monster put in at the insistence of the studio at the last minute. And this is like one instance of the studio fucking with the director, making the movie a little bit better. Because oh. they, wanted, they wanted to leave it vague. And I think it works way better when you know that punch is coming. Because that punch comes in the story. So leaving it vague would have made it less faithful. And, and that, the story, the original story by M.R. M. R. James is phenomenal as well. And that's Every, an, that's another black and white fifties uh, mm-hmm. film, right? Okay. Yes. So yes. I'm picturing the demon in my head, the 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 monster you're talking about, kind of like it's kind of got this like furry head with horns kind of thing. Yeah, like a very classic Baphomet goat devil. Thing. Yeah. You ever, and you don't see very much. They only show it like once or twice, very, very briefly. Most of the time, it's portrayed chasing characters through the woods as this incredible backlit bank of fog that is moving like super fast and aggressively towards. Oh my god! Just watch Curse of the Demon. It's amazing. It's also called Night of the Demon, not to be confused with the 1980 rapey Bigfoot movie, um, yeah. but. But I don't think there's a great deal of difference between the two. Like th- they are alternate cuts, depending on which title you see it under. But I, 
if I remember correctly, it doesn't make a great deal of difference which one you see. They're both very, very good. Have you ever seen the Adult Swim show, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell? Uh, I've never even heard of it. Oh my god, I love this show so much. I, I love it. It's, it's an Adult Swim show, so it's like each episode's like 10, 15 minutes long. And they do an episode where... Well, so basically, it's, it's like um, if hell was like... Um, was like a business office, so like all the mm-hmm. demons work in cubicles, and Satan is the, you know the, the the main boss in his up in his office and everything. Well, there's an episode where um, Satan, uh, the, these Wiccans um, want to have a want to have their annual orgy with Satan. Satan doesn't want to do it, so he sends three of his uh, demon lackeys up there to do it. And but they have to wear this mask, so they all think it's it's Satan. And I swear, the design of this mask—they had to have seen um, a, a curse, be it. curse of the demon, because it 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 just instantly reminded me that when I saw when I saw that mask. So, but sure. man, you need to see the show. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> and you need to see Curse of the Demon. I do. Their trade deal. Got it. <laughs> Up next, J- Eric J. Peterson says, The Wolfman, if you count lycanthropy as a curse. Of yep. course. Mm-hmm. Ginger Snaps also deals with the same curse as a way to talk about female puberty. Yes. It Follows, which is so note perfect in evoking the confusion of a curse. And more than any other film I can think of, this song, the song... Uh, Forbidden Dimensions, My Family Curse. I didn't get a chance to... Okay. Yeah, I'm checking it. out. No? All right. Uh, Daniel A. Murphy says, Congrats, Tori. Okay. <laughs> I think he got... I was confused by that one. I think he got lost. <laughs> but congrats, Tori. Yeah. From, yeah. from all of us. From all of us, congrats, Tori. Congrats, On Tori. beating your curse, I guess. Uh, let's hope. Hope she did. Up next, Tim Lennerer. He's on a certain podcast, right? He does some things. Something. He talks a yeah, lot. Fiasco Brothers watch a movie. That's right. <laughs> Brian's episode's coming out. Yeah, not soon enough, man. I saw they had a new episode pop up on Friday, and I like, got all excited. It was still a good episode, but it wasn't it wasn't Brian's. It wasn't Brian. Yeah, I, I, I biffed it. The one that came out last week was the Abominable Dr. Fibes. But by Which the time one? the episode that we are recording right now drops... Oh, okay. The Return of the Living Dead of that will be out. So, but that episode think... that was still great though. The Abominable Doctor Fives one it was awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Old Tim says, "Old school Night of the Demon for being one of the rare films improved by executive meddling. No monster huh. at the end if it wasn't for a producer who hates ambiguous endings." And Tim he... and I we. We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> Good. Apparently, then yeah. you'll like this next. He says, "New school. It follows <laughs> <laughs> creeping, <laughs> creeping dread for an hour and a half while the viewer starts scanning the entire frame to see what's coming, which puts you in the same mentality as the characters." Good point, Tim. <laughs> awesome movie. What if you start scanning the clock and hoping the movie uh, is going to be over? Wrong with you. <laughs> Up next, Claire Barton says. The 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Cool. Michael Groves says Stigmata. Ooh, yeah, nice interesting pick. One. I like that movie, too. Really? Yeah. I thought it was boring as shit. Patricia Arquette, right? Yeah. 
Uh, Kylie Nagel says, drag me to hell. It follows. Great answers, Kylie. Uh, Jill Six, she says, a second or third, she seconds and thirds drag me to hell. It's more like the sixth or seventh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brenda York says, skeleton key and hatchet. Oh, yeah, you know what? She's not wrong. That's yeah. a lore thing, curse. Uh, Luane White says, my demon lover. Just kidding, <laughs> sort of. Straight answer, Pumpkinhead. Uh, Jim C. Faust Jr. says, Drag me to hell. The whole thing is hilarious, especially the parking lot fight scene. I was weeping with laughter. LOL. And then uh, Brenda York says, The goat had me in tears. Yeah, the goat scene was awesome, yeah. too. <laughs> and then Jim says, Ever see the witch with Black Phillip? Goats slay me. And yes, the one in Drag Me to Hell had, my, had me weak. Especially with the dancing. So that was one I was expecting you to bring up, Jason. I know you love The Witch. I do. Fuck, that movie's good. The Witch is awesome. And nothing is better than Black Phillip's Twitter. No. (laughs) (laughs) We still need to follow that. You need to use Twitter. It it probably doesn't happen anymore. I'm sure they stopped doing it by now. Oh, okay. When it came out, it was really funny. Uh, Danielle Lee Parker says, I wrote a short story on a curse. It's called The Curse of the Dog-Faced Mummy. One of my very first short stories. And she put a link uh, to it here. And so go to our page, our Facebook page. You'll see links. We'll be sure to check that out. Um, Like an Amazon link? or uh, I think it's... Read this. I don't know. It's bewilderingstories.com. Must be her website. Looks like part one of two. Looks like a video, so it must be the short film. So that's cool. Yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah, support support artists there, yeah. everybody. And uh, Donna Nelly, lastly on Facebook, says, Any of the Corman Price Poe series, particularly House of Usher and Haunted Palace. Yes. Yeah. Haunted Palace is awesome. Even though it's given the title of an Edgar Allan Poe movie, it's actually an H.P. Lovecraft story. Uh, um, Strange Case of Charles Dexter Ward, I believe. Cool. Great Vincent Price movie. And it's got Lon Chaney Jr. in it. Sweet. Oh, nice. And then over on Twitter, we got uh, Chris Cook, at Counting Cook, says, How about Insane Mike's all-time favorite franchise? Final Destination. <laughs> I, I sometimes feel I'm the only person on the planet that has a good time with those films. You're not the only Seriously? one. Seriously? I'm the only one who doesn't amazing. have a good time with those yeah, movies. Yeah, you're the only one who doesn't. Yeah. Terry what? had a great story this weekend about those movies. I think oh, yeah. I'm finally going to break down and rewatch them. But the first one just hit me so wrong that I've the damned the series. not even my favorite. Like, I really oh. like... I think the second one might be my favorite. Yeah, the second one definitely has the best, the most best ridiculous kill, deaths. Sure. Yeah. I kept hearing but part five. But the first five has Devin Sawa. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the first one's the first one is still attempting to somewhat tell a story, and then they realized what they should just be doing. It's like yes. though this is just Rube Goldberg death scenes. So just Let's go just back go to the first two. Crazy. Watch the first two. Uh, and we'll Big Five was really no. good too. Yeah, yeah. you don't. Not just the first two, all of them. Like th- it is a five movie long franchise length 
sick joke. Yeah. And it's great. Just the most mean spirited. <laughs> oh my god, I love those movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first one was too serious, and then there was I think maybe the third or fourth one I was not a huge fan of because it got real dumb. But then the fifth one came back and was awesome. I keep hearing the fifth one's great. Yeah. Well, thanks, Chris, because you just got Mike to want to go back and watch it. Finally, I've been debating it for a while. Finally, now. gave him enough shit. <laughs> finally, <laughs> I just, the scale. I'm just saying, like, my attitude leaving the theater after the first movie ta- tainted the whole franchise for sure. me. Uh, not to lay blame to the film, but I just personally felt insulted after watching the movie. So, so the the story about you want to tell this one, Terry? We, Jason brought it oh. up, so we should actually tell the story because it's really like fun. Well, just, <laughs> we were on the highway behind, and this logging truck, this <laughs> giant semi hauling uh, timber, pulled in front of us. And Brian said something along the lines of, I really don't like driving behind these trucks. And I just looked, and I'm like, Final Destination 2? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, yep, me too. <laughs> Every time. But it got so better like than that, though, because, them, though. It was because insane. but we didn't do. see it. That was, they must have all been driving in a lane, in, in, a, in a line, because the first one changed lanes. And there's another one, I'm like, holy shit, we're double dead. <laughs> yeah, and they kept pulling then, up to the side, and there was another one, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Then, oh my and God. The second one pulls over, and there's a fucking third one. It's like, there's no way we're getting home alive now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Chris Kick goes on to say another tweet. He says, I also love Drag Me to Hell, Evil Dead 2013, and the greatest all-time harbinger of doom... Ralph, it's got a death curse. Yeah, crazy Ralph. Yep. And then a late breaking uh, tweet reply from, what does that say? At Tad Good? Who's that? I know. He's some smart ass. (laughs) He says, Curse of the Pink Panther. (laughs) (laughs) He's so funny. (laughs) We should get him on the show. <laughs> anyway, you can leave comments, you can call in, you can leave us voicemails at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave your comments, we'll play it on the show, and uh, we like hearing from you. So that's shoutouts. Paul and Jesse walked hand in hand through the brightly lit midway of the carnival. They had stuffed themselves with funnel cakes and cotton candy and were now on the lookout for promising games of chance. Paul hoped that winning her a cute plush animal might win him a chance to feel her up later. They passed claw games and ring tosses, and that old carnival standby where you pay for baseballs to throw at bowling pins that always seemed to be welded to the table. What Paul wanted was a game of marksmanship. Even if the sights on the gun were rigged, he had been tri-state skeet shooting champion two years in a row. He could make it work. He and Jesse were almost to the end of the midway, with not so much as a water pistol to show for it, when they came upon a strange little shack with a curtain over the entrance. What do you think is in there? asked Jesse. I don't know. Employee break area, maybe? Paul said. Let's check it out. No way. I don't want to end the night getting run out of the fair on a rail by some angry carny. 
No need for rails, boy, said a raspy voice from within. Come in. Examine my wares. Paul and Jesse exchanged a look. Let's just get out of here, Paul whispered. Oh, don't be such a wuss, Jesse said. I want to see his wares. She giggled and ducked through the curtain. Great, Paul muttered to himself. I better make sure he doesn't try to show her what's in his underwears. Once Paul's eyes adjusted to the dim, flickering lamplight inside the shack, he saw Jesse gawking over shelf upon shelf, row upon row of outsized plastic and cardboard boxes. It took a moment for him to realize that, recognize them as VHS tape boxes. He knew his dad had a box of them in the basement somewhere. In the corner sat a grizzled old man with long, snarled hair and skin that looked like the scunge that forms on the top of a pot of gravy that sat on the stove too long. Quite a collection, isn't it? he said in a whisper that fairly threatened them not to be impressed. Paul eyed the lurid covers, boasting scantily clad women, being threatened by all manner of hell beasts and knife-wielding maniacs. Yeah, it's quite the collection of thrillers. The interior of the shack became so deathly quiet that Paul could hear his own heartbeat. A look came over the old man's face so black and evil, it would have made the devil himself scramble for a polite excuse to leave the room. The old man stood from his rickety old camp stool as a freakish blast of wind tore the curtain aside and a bolt of lightning shredded the night sky. Thrillers? Did you call them thrillers? I I didn't mean anything by it, Paul cried. I mean, what else would you call them? Jessie ducked behind one of the shelves and hid her face in her hands. The old man pointed a gnarled finger at Paul and hissed something in a language mostly forgotten to living memory as he pulled an object that appeared to be made of teeth woven into a mat of damp, clumpy hair from his pocket and shook it in Paul's direction. Paul felt a prickling sensation all over his body and looked down to see the flesh of his arms peeling off and floating into the air like ashes from a pile of burning autumn leaves. Blood began pouring from his scalp, running into his eyes and blurring his vision. What would I call them? snarled the old man. When the world is ruled by violence and the soul of mankind fades. <laughs> Children's path shall be darkened by the shadows of insane's picks. <laughs> you got the opening to Neon Maniacs in there. That's awesome. <laughs> A henchman of Satan in 18th century England sacrifices young virgins to his lord and master in this forgotten 1972 film, Disciple of Death. That's where you'd put the thunder. Oh, okay. Noise. Yeah. okay. Disciple of Death was directed by Tom Parkinson in 1972. Uh, he, uh, Tom Bar- Parkinson also directed uh, Crucible of Terror in 1971. And was mostly a producer for television. His and, directing was a little shaky. I I was yeah not going to go there. But. <laughs> <laughs> and the film also stars Mike Raven, credited only as the Stranger, who was also in Crucible of Terror and Lust for Vamp Lust for a Vampire in 1971, and I Mon- I Monster also in 1971. Now Mike Raven was cast. As a sinister figure with a Merlin beard, tall, 
with a tall stature and intense vocals. Uh, his he was first casted in two films back to back, I Monster and Hammer's Lust for the Vamp for a Vampire. However, in both films, Raven was singled out by critics, panning his performances, uh, particularly in the Hammer film, where where adding insult to injury, his voice was overdubbed. To prove himself as the next big horror icon, Raven invested money in two independent films, Crucible of Terror and Disciple of Death. The pre-publicity the pre for both of these films centered on Mike Raven's private life. He publicly talked about how he was into the, into the occult, and if his hype is to be believed, Mike Raven, his wife, and his six children were often seen dressed in homemade black clothes, and their house was reportedly decorated totally in black. Now the film starts out with two young lovers who are forbidden by their families from seeing each other, and they make a blood pact to seal their love by, you know, cutting their fingers and, you know, like blood, blood, uh, blood brothers do and whatnot. However, a drop of their blood falls onto the grave of a man who committed suicide. Then the following day, enigmatic yet uh, charismatic man, known only as the Stranger, arrives in a rural village to claim his inheritance. Aided by a dwarf played by Rusty Goff, who was an Oompa Loompa in the original Willy Wonka and Chuckle Factory, and was also a Jawa in New Hope, and he is even still working today. Uh, the dwarf, known only as Dwarf, uh, is seen throughout the film rubbing his hands together with an evil grin on his face, like most evil dwarf stereotypes in horror movies from that era. Uh, together, they kidnap and murder young women until the local parson enlists the aid of a wisecracking Jewish mystic to defeat the seemingly unstoppable stranger. The film was also hated by critics, but I really don't see why. One critic said it was the worst movie he'd ever seen. Uh, so, I mean, sure, the movie is kind of an incoherent mess at times, and Mike Raven's performance is campy over the top. But I'll take that over the stilted performances of our two lead, our two lead role, uh, two lead heroes of the film. Uh, so British critics, uh, uh, you just you guys need to back off poor old uh, Mike Raven already. Now overall, the film doesn't really offer anything unique. And I can understand why it's become a forgotten film, but I still had I still had fun watching it, and it had some cool scenes, such as when the stranger is conducting his satanic ceremony, and he pulls the heart out of his victim and squeezes the blood from it into a goblet and drinks it. So the film was released on DVD by DV Classics as part of their Graveyard Theater collection. Graveyard Theater is a DVD-based horror host show hosted by Morella and Spud the Wonder Brain. Uh, and you know I'm, I'm a total sucker for TV movie horror hosts. So the DVD is a lot of fun with the inclusion of Morella. And it also contains an episode of the old serial uh, Phantom Creeps with Bella Lugosi. So if you can find it, it's worth a watch for the Morella hosting and the over-the-top over performance of Mike Raven. Um, so I would recommend checking out 1972's Disciple of Death. Where can we see it, did you say? What's that? Where can we see it? Uh, well, I don't know if it's on YouTube or any or streaming anywhere, but uh, it's, it's available on DVD uh, through DVD Classics. 
So if you go to Graveyard Theater, uh, Graveyard Theater's website, uh, you can always order it there off of their website or from uh, D- DV Classics website as well. <clears throat> now, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if DV Classics is, um, is a subsidiary of Fred Olin Ray's Retro Media because I believe the Morella character... Um, was in a lot of those uh, retro media DVD packages as well. So, but yeah, you know, it's not the best movie in the world, but it's got some fun moments, and it's it's an incoherent mess, which makes it fun. So I definitely <laughs> check out Disciple of Death. Cool. Maybe I will. I think you should. So that's it. That's it for this episode of the Attack of the Killer podcast. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. And a special thanks goes out to our Patreon donators. Yeah. Um, you too can be one of the cool kids and donate to our Patreon by going to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. Don't forget time's running out for our iTunes uh, contest. If you go to iTunes and leave us a kick-ass review, you'll be entered into a contest where you too can have a fabulous Attack of the Killer podcast t-shirt. So that is it for this episode. And we will talk to you all again soon. Have a good night and goodbye. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.